Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse Rosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of April 28th, 2022, including Xbox's breaking revenue and console sales numbers, Ubisoft could be the next victim of a buyout, Halo Infinite's roadmap has been detailed just as we've learned about more of the game's troubled development, and more. On this week in Xbox history, Rock Band released a uh, DLC song from the band Jane's Addiction titled Jane Says. Now, this downloadable release was uh, put on the Xbox 360 on this day, April 28, 2009. So that's your uh, little bit of information for this day in Xbox history. Guys, 151 episodes of Xbox on. Well, this will. This is actually 151. Episode 151. You guys thought, oh, Jesse's gonna come in here last week with the whole episode 151, big or 150, big blowout, right? Like, oh wow, 150 weeks. What a milestone. What an achievement. What kind of special thing does he have cooked up for us? Well, actually, you dumb motherfuckers. I was waiting till episode 151 uh, because subversion of expectations. You stupid bitch. So there you are, probably with your thumb up your ass playing PlayStation 5, of all things, and, and you're listening to me talk about, oh, 151 is the episode where we're going to do the big the big celebration of 150 episodes? Yeah, you never saw it coming, and now I look like a fucking genius. I'm the Martin Scorsese of, uh, of Xbox podcasts. You're welcome. All right, guys, welcome to, in all seriousness, an- another week of just more of the same bullshit. So, hey, if you didn't like the podcast last week, w- why are you back? But thank you. So, as always, we're going to open the show. With their regular bullshit, we got some stories of a mild of mild amusement that aren't going to make the proper news segment. We got some updates and, and, and corrections, and there's actually a correction this week. Look at, would you would you look at that? I fucked up. We have a correction. Uh, we got all sorts of things to talk about, and we have some very juicy comments, some some rambly ones, some poignant ones, and some with just a little hint of uh, anti-Semitism. Hopefully not. I really hope that's not in our comments this week. But guys, speaking of corrections, because I was wrong, last week when we were talking about the big Sega um, Super Games leak where we learned about Crazy Taxi and Jet, Jet Set Radio getting um, either sequels or remakes or brought into the new the new era of gaming. I made the comment that, well, Crazy Taxis 1 and 2 were Dreamcast games, and then Crazy Taxi 3, I said like 3 and 4 were PlayStation exclusives. Okay, there was no 4 proper. There have been other spinoffs, but there were only 3 main Crazy Taxi games, so that's the first thing. Second of all, I said 3 and 4 were PlayStation games. That is not true. I don't know why I remember that being a PS2 game, when in fact... Guys, Xbox Podcast, Xbox Podcast host, how did I fuck this up? Crazy Taxi 3 was an Xbox exclusive, OG Xbox exclusive. I never played the damn game. I just have memories of seeing the game on shelves at Rhino's uh, Rhino's Game Store. Shout out to Rhino's. Uh, I don't know who the fuck would know what the hell that was, but they were a game store that existed where I grew up. Rest in peace. GameStop bought you out, and the world is worse off because of it. All right, so that's our correction. 
my humility is at an all-time high. I'm I'm humbled uh, by by the comments that did not pour in correcting me. I just had a hunch. I needed to look that up. No, that's not true. So let's jump into. Our, sorry, I'm having a little bit of a, a very weird Sunday here. My rhythm is all out of sync today because I'm off work this week. So I'm very uh I'm very out of sync. I, I actually have energy, but I'm not in my normal schedule. So pardon me if the show seems a little screwy, but guys, let's talk about our updates of the week. You know the Activision lawsuit, Bobby Kotick. He likes to dress up in Panther skin and then run around touching all the all all the all the men and women of his building and says, This is Activision. I'm going to activate your senses. And he does it and then Bloomberg reports on it. Then the state of California gets involved and the federal government gets involved. And then I'm over here like, whoa, I'm out of I'm out of my element here. I know how to talk about video games from the perspective of someone who plays them for fun. I guess now I'll comment on lawsuits. But because Activision is one such a big player in the space, and two potentially going to be part of the Xbox family. Fuck you, Xbox, for making this happen. We got to talk about Activision with a with a fine with a fine lens, you know, because this is this is potentially Xbox history in the making. Isn't that so exciting, Phil Spencer? Aren't you so excited that this uh, this uh, these sexual allegations, this misconduct, gets to be part of the vibrant history of Xbox now? Oh my God, how wonderful is that? Well. Our update for Activision this week, because you know every goddamn week there's an update regarding this specific fucking development, this sexual harassment thing. Mm, Here we go. So Activision, in response to the whole women are treated like horse shit in our company, well, Activision Blizzard have confirmed this past week that they have plans now to double the number of women on its board of directors. Isn't that just lovely? So Lulu Cheng, Messer V, has been elected to join the board while Carrie Carr will be nominated for election to the board at the company's annual meeting of stockholders. So congratulations to those two. Uh, Meservi is a VP of communications at Newsletter and a podcast publishing platform Substack, while Carr is a former Disney executive who's currently a senior VP at Spirits Company Bacardi because nothing says Walt Disney Company like like getting smashed on uh, Jack and Rum or Coke and Rum. Fuck me. I I only drink Mountain Dew. I don't know what I'm saying. All right. That's not the only Activision development we have because that one's mildly positive. It's them being like, oh, we don't have enough women. Let's put some more women in charge. There we go. No, that's 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 just too simple. We can't we can't have an Activision scandal a scandal week without a big scandal. And here, here's the scandal, guys. You ready for it? Well, let's just rip it from Windows Central. Our boys over at Windows Central who do a good job of actually reporting news, so I can just copy and paste their work and and then podcast about it as if I'm actually doing something. And, and, and they say, according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. Meta, and for those who need a reminder, Meta is Facebook pretending to be cool. Meta Chief Operating Officer <laughs> Sheryl Sandberg pressured UK tabloid The Daily Mail to drop a story about Bobby Kotick twice in 2016 when, a pa- when the pair were dating and in 2019 when they separated. The report alleges that Sandberg and Kotick worked for a team of then-Facebook and Activision employees to figure out a strategy for keeping The Daily Mail from running a story that would reveal a temporary uh, restraining order had been uh, filed against Kodak by his formal far, by his former girlfriend. The report claims that the former girlfriend obtained the restraining order after Kodak harassed her at her home. Wow. 
Per the Wall Street Journal sources, Meta is currently undergoing a review to determine if Sandberg violated company rules, while Kodak reportedly told people involved with the matter that Sandberg could damage the Daily Mail's relationship with Facebook if an article was published. In a statement to the Wall Street Journal, Kodak denied ever saying anything of the sort, claiming that the outlet didn't run the story because it was factually accurate. Wow. Isn't it so fun? That all this shit from his past kind of lines with all the accusations accusations today. And here we are, just a bunch of fucking people that like when the guy goes, kill Tacular, kill him on Jaro, or, or, uh, or he'll moved, he'll contested. You know, we're just a bunch of gamers. We just like hearing that sound while we click the buttons on our Elite Controller 2s and, and, and get the a, a positive KDRs in Call of Duty. But no, we've been thrust into the world of this fucking relationship bullshit because this is the news that which we have been presented thanks wall street journal i feel like such a informed gamer now i want to go and off myself so as uh, has been the case for a little while now with these activision stories i don't comment on them unless they really do specifically pertain to like xbox or, or video games in a more direct way because boy oh boy what else is there to say sure seems like this codic fella is one piece of shit Alright guys, so, a new development update, positive news, thank god gaming has everything to do with war these days, because VGC relays that the official website for Stalker 2 has apparently been blocked in Russia at the request of the Russian government. See, just some typical gamer shit. According to... RIA Novatsi news agency is spotted by xgp.pl because I know what all these things are. The website was restricted by the prosecutor general prosecutor general's office in Russia in the of the Russian Federation. Ukrainian studio GSC Game World developers behind uh, Stalker 2 are currently working hard at the game, but it was reported that the process of the development has been moved to Kiev or from Kiev to Prague due to the ongoing invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Visiting the official Stalker 2 website displays a banner encouraging support for Ukraine. GSC Game World has ceased business operations in Russia since March of 2022. And yes, while the game was recently delayed to December of this year, you can imagine that it's quite difficult to develop a video game in the middle of a fucking war. So yeah, here we are. Bunch of guys that just really enjoy uh, not actually having the skill to play a real guitar to woo women, but rather uh, the ability to play on a plastic peripheral uh, and be like, watch me play John the fucking Fisherman uh, blindfold because I played it so many times on expert mode in Guitar Hero 2 for Xbox 360. Uh, it, that kind of audience has now been thrust into the into the world of a of a, of a, of a fucking war because uh, that is a, is apparently the kind of crossover we're seeing the dissection between video games and world conflict. It's all sexual harassment and bombing innocent civilians from here, guys. Isn't what a time to be alive this 2022. It sure is. Okay, can we stop talking about the vicious, violent murder and sexual harassment and all the and all the entirely unrelated video game shit and just talk about good old video games? You guys remember when it was like you sat down with your friends and you microwaved some pizza rolls or maybe you were an oven-baked guy. Maybe you had the patience to oven-bake them and you didn't microwave them. I don't know. I'm not judging. Remember those days? You'd, you'd play with your friends. You guys would have a good time and, uh, and, and you played Xbox and it made you nostalgic enough that here as a young adult you're like hey i'm gonna go listen to an xbox podcast because it, it it keeps me in tune with things i actually like uh to do with my free time as a busy worried adult uh well 
This next story is, is sure for you guys because veteran developer Hideo Kojima could be working on the PlayStation 5 game. That's right. We've been talking about for a year now about how the rumors suggest, how the sources say potentially Hideo Kojima, a famed video game developer behind the, 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 the famous Metal Gear Solid franchise, could potentially be working on an Xbox game. Well... Maybe not, because tweeted by Kojima himself this past week, images show that he is presu presumably in production on a PlayStation 5 game as his office desk showed a fucking PS5 dev kit, a PlayStation 5 DualSense controller. That's not Xbox. You can't make an Xbox game with a PlayStation. That's like trying to make lemon, use lemons to make orange juice, you fucking idiot. That's just not how that works. So, now a lot of people did take this as... Well, they're working on a new Death Stranding game, or they're working on a new PlayStation game. I guess this Xbox shit isn't happening. I, I tend to fall in the camp of, I, I believe there is a new... I, I believe the rumors. I believe the Xbox title from Kojima Productions is on the way and that it is happening. The thing is, it's like, you guys gotta think, what is something that we're really used to as Xbox fans in in the way of like, oh shit, we're getting one of those? And then the reality, the, I'm speaking in very vague terms. It's a very common occurrence in Xbox where it's like, sure, it'd be cool if Xbox got a this kind of game or a game from this team, and then you end up getting something that's like kind of what you asked for, but kind of not really. Like, for example, remember when they said, um, we're getting a brand new, cool, free-to-play Crossfire game, and it ended up just being like this... Uh, really nice rudimentary work in progress game that everyone's like, this is a load of horse shit. And they're like, Oh, but the campaign's developed by remedy. And everyone's like, this is also horse shit. Think, think in that terms. Cause I feel like we get that a lot with Xbox, the over promise under the liver or the really grand idea, vague details. And the reason it was fake is because the product, the end result wasn't all that astonishing or, pro or, or important. I don't know. I find it very possible that Kojima has a B team working on a very small scale Game Pass experience, not necessarily a full AAA Death Stranding Metal Gear Solid style game. So I, I just because they're working on a PlayStation game currently and there's more evidence of that, I don't think that means they're not working on an Xbox title. Um, the reason we haven't heard an announcement, the reason why there isn't more evidence to support this, but there are very reliable leakers and reporters telling us that this is happening despite the lack of evidence I think it's probably just because there is a there's a very mild secondary product that is going to Xbox Game Pass that is not a full-fledged game, but will have Kojima's name on it. So Xbox can have a little PR moment of like, we got one, we got a Kojima under our belt. So that's my unfounded, complete, just out there guess. But it also is possible that Whatever it is they're working on with PlayStation has been well under development, at least conceptually, for quite a while. And whatever it is they're working on for Xbox is still really more in the discussions phase or the very, very premature pre-production age. And it's just that there is more potential for that PlayStation project to be leaked as a result of it being in a more active development phase. So my guess is it's one of those two things or both of those things because both of those things could be related. But don't don't be disheartened entirely. I do think Mr. Kojima could be working on giving us the sequel we all hope, hope that we would get, which is, of course, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts 2, directed by Hideo Kojima. What a time to be alive as long as the developers don't end up going to war or inappropriately touching all their women. That would be nice. 
All right, guys. Next up, speaking of uh, dream jobs at Xbox, VGC relays that Microsoft is actually currently seeking a manager to help evaluate future acquisitions in the games industry. The job role, which has been published this week, seemingly indicates that the corporation is not finished with the recent acquisition spree it's been on, which has seen, of course, the likes of Bethesda and Activision uh, moved under the, um, the umbrella of Xbox. Now, quote... This is from the, the job posting or the, yeah, this is from the job posting. The gaming strategy and development team serves as the corporate strategy function uh, for Xbox. The job ad reads that manager gaming strategy and development would be the title of the job. Continuing on, quote, we partner closely with gaming leadership team to identify and evaluate transformative growth opportunities. Our care... Sorry, our charter includes helping to answer Microsoft Gaming's most challenging business questions, leading gaming's M&A MA program, which is mer mergers and acquisitions, uh, for example, Activision, ZeniMax, Double Fine, etc., and identifying and understanding the key industry dynamics, end quote. According to the description, the winning candidate's responsibilities will include supporting strategic decisions and quantitative and qualitative rigor, identifying key consumer-slash-technology-slash-business trends and developing and evaluating the business case for content and technology acquisitions uh, for mergers and acquisitions. So those are the requirements. That is the job description. And guys, might I just say as a complete side note, I have a long background in customer service in really shitty day jobs uh, like that involve hourly work and, and being like a bottom feeder. So I think I should throw in for this position. You never know. You know, fake it till you make it. They say dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And I do dress like a scummy executive every fucking day of my life. But I find this this story underwhelming. The reason why this story made it into the stories of mild amusement and not the major stories categories because, well, one, I don't presume to understand the inner workings of, of the leadership team at Xbox that, uh, that tries to understand the acquisition landscape and, and figure out how to read these relationships and better decide which which direction to go into for your next acquisition. I don't pretend to understand that at all because I don't. And secondly, and more importantly, was it any... Did, did anyone think for a second that Xbox was potentially done with acquisitions? I mean, especially after the Activision one, I think it became pretty clear that anything and everything is on the table because Bethesda was just big enough that it was like, that's crazy, no one saw it coming, but yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to do one big blowout, there's a this this kind of makes sense. But then Activision was just so out of left field, so much fucking money that no one saw coming, and just so unexpected in terms of everything, the company it was, the, the amount of money being offered, the timing of the deal, everything about it just made no fucking sense to the to the point where I think it's pretty clear to everyone, and if it's not clear to you, you probably have a, a very tiny uh, penis in your brain, uh, but it's very clear that you don't see what's going on here, which is that anything and everything is up for grabs. This isn't, you can argue Microsoft started this. I don't think they did, but this whole everything's on the table mantra within the games industry about any publisher, any group, any developers up for sale is a mantra that is going to continue until all is consumed. So to think Xbox is just going to be like, you know, guys, Bethesda and Activision, those are two massive gets. Really good job, guys. I want everyone here at Team Xbox to give themselves a pat on the back. This is coming from Phil Spencer, of course, because you know how he loves pats on the back. Apparently, I just made this up. And then he'd be like, all right, guys, now uh, I think we've we've had our piece of the pie. Now I want everyone to sit down and maybe just maybe un undo their belts a little bit because they're probably full from all the pie we've been eating. And then, and then you know, feel proud about the work we've done here. We are done. I know there's a lot of 
speculation about Ubisoft and Konami and Capcom, but I want you guys to know that we have, you know, as true capitalists, decided that we've had our piece and we want to share a decent amount of the pie uh, left for other competitors to acquire because that's how a business is run when you're a conglomerate like Xbox or like Microsoft. That's not how this works, and I don't think anyone thinks otherwise. And so what do you want me to say? Of course, they are continuing to look for acquisitions. So maybe it's not so much that the, the news of this job posting itself is irrelevant, but it's the slant that like, oh, yeah, this is uh, this is Xbox confirming that they're doubling down on acquisitions. It's like, yeah. And I bet you they're also doubling down on development of new video games too. Like what else do you want to hear? So – Whatever. This is like a big fart noise to me. I don't care about this story. There's nothing really to say to it other than who's this who's this replace? Is this a new role or is this replacing someone? Someone who actually gives a shit might know. But that's the, I don't know. That's the only real thing to gather from it. Had had to mention it because it seemed like a big enough news story that was making the rounds, but also had much to do about nothing, as they say. So guys, surprisingly, that's actually it for all of our Stories of mild amusement, updates, these kinds of stories. I know in previous weeks we've been going like 30, 40 minutes on this segment. Uh Uh-uh, not this week, big boy. We're going to jump into your favorite favorite section of the show. Uh, And if it's not your favorite, fuck you. It's my favorite, okay? It's my favorite because it's the moment in the show where I get to to talk to you guys and we get to have a conversation. It's a two-way. No more of this one-waying stuff, okay? I'm tired of being alone. So... You know what this is. It's the comment section. You shout outs, questions, inquiries of any kind. You go over to YouTube.com. You look up Xbox on podcast. You click on my podcast. It's a very good podcast. Thanks, by the way, guys. We're at 919 or 918 subscribers on YouTube. We're on the, we're on the road to 1,000, guys. We're almost there. We might even get there by sometime this time next year, maybe, hopefully. So keep on subscribing. Keep on following along. I appreciate the support, guys. But you go over to YouTube. You click on the latest episode of the podcast. You leave a comment. And we'll read it on the show. I don't care if it's nice. I don't care if it's mean. You can say, Jesse, you sounded like you did cocaine this week. That's weird. I thought you were straight edge, bro. Uh, keep up the good work. Here's to 151 more episodes. And I'll be like, thank you so much, sir. Or you could be like, oh, Jesse, I just want to let you know uh, my pet fish died. And I didn't know that fish could even die because Nemo is like 20 years old now. And I didn't know goldfish could live to be 20. So my mom had to explain this to me, even though I'm 47. And uh, I had to flush the, the fish down the toilet. And I would say, this is a very sad story. I think you're on the wrong podcast. And we would read it anyway because we're desperate for comments. So in an act of desperation, I turn to you guys. And uh, our first comment of the week comes from Dead Captain James who says, Congrats on 150 episodes, bro. Can't believe it's been that long already. I remember that I found your podcast on episode five or so. I look forward to listening to your shenanigans on my way to work every Thursday morning. Have a nice cold do. You deserve it. Dead Captain James, only got one thing to say. Where were you for episodes one through four? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> As always, Dead Captain James, I'm not afraid to admit, a little bit of favoritism. He's my, he's, you know, he's like your oldest child. He's your first kid, you know, so you have a little bit of extra love for him that the others don't get. Fuck you, whatever. He, you, you know, the first, the oldest child's always a little fucked up anyway because you got to make all your mistakes and use them as like a trial run child. So it ain't all roses and dandelions for, for Dead Captain James here, but he is my favorite and he did congratulate me on 150 episodes. So everyone else just know you are, you are subservient to this man, and if he calls for mass annihilation of uh, Nintendo Switch users, then I, I expect that each and every one of you to uh, rise to the occasion and join our army. And Mr. Miggy, speaking of uh, mentioning the number 150 for some reason, Mr. Miggy says, congrats on episode 150. 
It's hard to be consistent with something, but here you are. For celebration, I will go buy Sonic Unleashed and I will pet my cats. And maybe that new burrito from Taco Bell. Well, Mr. Miggy, I hope you do all those things. But most importantly, do not fuck up the verbs onto the nouns. So do not go ahead and do not go buy uh, your, your cats. Do not go pet your burrito from Taco Bell. Whatever. Mr. Mickey, thank you. I appreciate it. I always love the comments about the consistency and the hard work because it's really not that much of a, of, of, you know, of a commitment to do, do this show. I, I have more time on my hands than I lead on to believe, but the recognition is always much appreciated um, whether or not it's deserved. I don't know, but Mr. Mickey, thank you. You toot my horn and, oh man, I feel good on all inside me right now, so thank you for making me feel that way. Mr. Mavsman, though, says, uh-uh. A nice comment about petting cats and congratulating on 150 episodes. Not enough for me. I got a whole novella for you, Jesse. And I expect you to read each and every bit of it, or I will send anthrax to your fucking Florida apartment, and everyone will believe it because it's Florida and it makes sense. And so Mavsman says, I'm back, witches. And, if, and you can presume he said witches instead of bitches because that way it doesn't get taken down by YouTube. Very smart right there, Mr. Mavsman. Can you guys tell I was off work today? I have energy. Uh, he says... I'm back, witches. I know this is a long comment, but bear with me. First, I was MIA for a few weeks because my work changed my job and I had to start going into the office every day where they had a rule of no headphones. I said, listen here, every Thursday I need Jesse in my life, this sweet, sweet Xbox podcast. So it's either let me have my headphones or I quit. So naturally you quit, Mavsman. Well, well, let's read on. You said... They they said, see you later. Oh, fuck, I took your thunder. They said, see you later, and I responded, let's not get hasty. Let's compromise to one earbud, and they agreed to hear. So here I am. Taco Bell talk. <laughs> I love that. You can have one. So you got me talking in one ear and your job in the other. It's like the devil and the angel on your shoulders. I, I of course, am in the, in the angel because you work for a job, and jobs are evil because I'm a hippie and I don't use deodorant. So let, let's, let's go on. You say Taco Bell talk. Mexican pizza return? It's not an item that was in my regular rotation, but damn, it's uh, it's a damn quality item. I give it a 7 or an 8 out of 10. That burrito is called the White Hot Steak Nacho Fry Burrito, and you, sir, are not telling any fibs here. It's absolutely delicious. They haven't had it, a menu item that good since the Naked Chicken Chalupa. Okay, so see there, I'm not, I'm not alone in this. It's very good if you don't buy it, you're a fucking idiot. And finally, I was able to secure the bag this week, a 12-pack a of flaming Hot Mountain Dew, and this was absolutely one of the worst decisions I've made in my life. Can art is fantastic, but that's all it has going for it. I tried to kid myself after a couple of drinks and say, it's not that bad, but I knew the truth. It's terrible, and I need to throw it away, or it needs to go away. Mountain Dew, go back to the lab, quit churning out flavor after flavor, and give us quality over quantity. Mazman, I couldn't have said it better myself, although I will agree with you on one thing. The can I haven't tried it yet. I still, I still haven't even tried to go out to Walmart and find it. I've been busy. Whatever. doesn't matter. The can art for Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew is amazing. It's so good. I mean, I think everyone will feel that way. Obviously, it's the classic Flamin' Hot uh, artwork from... I, I, when, when was Flamin' Hot introduced? Is that a 90s thing? I don't know. But it, it looks so good. I love that they haven't tried to modernize it. They haven't tried to fucking 2020 CGI fucking make it look all um, focus-tested and soft around the edges like the goddamn Pillsbury boy. They, they, they let it be all edgy and cool and a little skater and a little radical and a little, you know, you got a fist, but your pinky and your thumb are sticking out and you're shaking your hand left and right saying cowabunga because, goddammit, that's the flaming Hot mantra, and I love that. But, yeah, I've, I've heard nothing but terrible things about that flavor, and I can't wait to try it whenever I finally get around to going to a Walmart. Madison, man, thank you for writing in. God bless you. I hope you and your family are well. Most importantly, 
I hope you don't lose the other earbud. I know it can be a pain in the ass when you only use one earbud, and then you gotta keep track of two things, but they're not in the same place. What a hassle. Tell your job to suck it. All right, new commenter alert. New commenter alert. All right, Elite Gamers, listen up. Here's a new commenter. Jay Comatose writes in and says, Rockstar bowing to the outrage mob over a little toy in a giant game only opens the door to future issues they have uh, They have a problem with. Never give in to outrage, outrage culture. Okay, Jay is, of course, referring to our story last week about Rockstar taking out a action figure that's in a club or a bar within Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, which was like a joke, but an a, a easily to misconstrue joke as like a tra- or not misconstrue, I guess it is a a joke that is insensitive to trans people, and so they removed it. And in general, I agree with your sentiment. Don't don't bend the knee and give in to the outrage culture. But like we said last week, in all fairness, we don't have enough information surrounding the story to know that this was a response to outrage culture. It is very possible this was just. People within Rockstar had a conversation to say, you know, we don't like this anymore because it's very possible. Like that's that's the comp. The point I tried to make last week is like we all have examples as, p- as people who have m- as a group of people who have probably mostly most the listeners here, I would assume, have made it to age 20 or beyond. Right. We can all look back on things we said when we were like 14, 17 and be like, wow, I'm sure glad I grew past that point in my life. Right. And so that's, that's just to say whether you agree that it's funny or insensitive or whatever or you think nothing of it. Of course, if you had shown that to me when I played the game in 2013, I literally wouldn't have thought anything of it and I would have never known unless you told me about it. The fact of the matter is it is possible that there are people within Rockstar who, who possibly people who put that, that reference there in the first place who have thought, you know what? That was maybe funny in 2011 when we were deep into development of this game and I thought, what a fun little gag. But, you know, it's a lot of time has passed, and now I, I just don't find that to be a reflection of my kind of humor. Um, since this is a live service game and we have the, po- the, the, the ability to do so, I would like to remove this. We don't know. Maybe that was the case, or maybe it was a lot of outrage online that none of us had known about, and they responded to it because feed the mob. I don't know. But I just we can't render a verdict without that additional information. And on top of that, I would like to say, while generally and historically I am on p- part of team like, Listen, if, if you had good intentions and you upset someone with something you said, but you didn't mean to do so, don't feel this fucking need to, like, bend the knee and, 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 and try to please people. Outrage culture is a thing, and it's stupid. I feel like we don't really see that nearly as much anymore. I feel like a lot of people who were culprits of outrage culture are com- have calmed down, or at least enough to where it's easy to just kind of, like, forget them, like, ignore them and not really pay attention to that shit. And and now we have like this weird. This isn't really related to gaming, so I don't know why I'm getting into this. But I just I noticed this a lot on Twitter. I feel like we have fewer instances these days of like actual examples of out people being outraged and outrage culture and cancel culture, and we see more of like people assuming that a result of something that was said or done is going to be met with cancel culture or outrage mob mentality. And I feel like there's a lot more expectation for it than there is actual example of that stuff happening these days. Maybe I'm just a little more disconnected from that stuff, but I mean, I, I totally agree. Like if, if that, if this were the story of, you know, a, a bunch of people who work at Kotaku got really mad and they were all like, hi, I'm, I'm a white cisgendered male and I let my girlfriend sleep with multiple other partners. And I'm really offended by this, this action figure in Grand Theft Auto V. And I, and I, I, I insist you remove it from the game. You, you Nazis. If that were the story, then I'd be like, Rockstar, fuck these guys. Just fucking do your thing. Ignore them. But again, that's not necessarily the story and it's quite possible that this is just like someone who's like yeah 
I don't I don't like that anymore. I'm going to remove this thing I did in this game now. Whatever. The the bigger story here is I, I understand what, and I respect where you're coming from with the whole like listen. It's it's a matter of principle. It's not that they in this specific instance this this thing matters so much. It's about just the principle of like you know defending your ground and standing behind something and being like listen. You can you don't have to like the joke, but it's a joke. Move on, you baby. I get that and I respect it. In general, I take that tact, but. The thing is, right now, Xbox is selling so many goddamn consoles that people don't have the opportunity to buy PlayStations. And that is sad because it means PlayStation fanboys are going to start buying Xbox consoles and being converted. And we don't want to make friends out of our enemies. We want to make our enemies feel like dog shit. And we will get to that in the news. So uh, that's a little teaser taste of, of what's to come. Please and thank you. Fuck you, PlayStation. All right. Uh, hashtag console wars. Uh, in defense of Amazon games... <laughs> Software? Is it studios or software? I don't know. AGS? Anyway, Corey Long writes in again. Very big proponent of Lost Ark and, and or New World. So, um, please, for the love of God, if anyone else writes in insulting New World, understand that there is someone in this audience who will bite back. And I am just a voice. I don't have hands. You don't know. I'm a disembodied figure as far as you're aware because this is not a video podcast. It is simply audio only. So, if you think I'm going to be here to defend you when you talk shit about New World, and then Cory Long comes in and starts fighting back. You just know, as far as you know, I'm just a dis- I'm just a disembodied voice. So fucking be prepared for your consequences. Corey writes in and says, I figured I would pop in with one about AGS. Lost Ark has a pay- has paywalls to continue playing the game after a certain point. New World is not pay to win. It is purchasable skins with a player ran in-game trading post that you can only use in-game coin on. The game that coin is earned in-game, you cannot buy it, and I would highly recommend New World over Lost Ark solely for the committed communities that you can be a part of. I hope that I hope you try them both soon though. I will be I'll be honest, Corey. I appreciate that clarification and, and uh but but even though this is God, this is how incredibly tiny my brain is. Even though, on paper, that makes Lost Ark seem incredibly unappealing, it makes New World seem significantly less shitty of a product, I'm still drawn to Lost Ark because, one, it looks a little more like... I don't know, it looks a little more like Koreans made made a Diablo game, which is more appealing to me than, like, Lost Ark or New World, which looks a little more like... um, World of Warcraft. So, I don't know why, but even though that monetization system actually sucks in Lost Ark, based on what you're telling me, I'm still more interested in Lost Ark. Um, also, it has Smilegate attached to it, and I'm over here defending my hashtag team, CrossfireX. So, it doesn't matter if the monetization system sucks or not. I just got to defend my team, because that's how teams work. It doesn't matter if they're good guys or bad guys. If they're doing the good thing or the bad thing, you don't think about the actual issues. You just think about the teams, okay? So, hashtag Team Lost Ark. Hashtag New World Sucks. Hashtag AGS could also stand for Ass Gouging uh, uh, Syndrome which I hope it doesn't. But, Corey, thank you for writing in. Have a wonderful day. And speaking of acronyms, we're going to talk about ADS in gaming, which doesn't mean uh, aim down sights. It means ads. My brother, Josiah, writes in and says, ads in gaming is a ter- And I'm gl- Actually, I just want to preface. I'm glad, I'm glad Josiah said this because last week when we talked about the whole Xbox thing about introducing ads, like, for example, billboards and video games that advertise real products and things like that, I was pretty lenient on the idea and not very resistant to a lot of the potential bullshit that comes with it. But this is an example of where maybe Xbox on needs a co-host because this conversation, I went a little too light on it and it did deserve some more pushback. And I think Kronky's going to give it to you. So everyone shut the fuck up and, li- and hear him out. He says, 
uh, ADS, nope, not ADS, ads in gaming is a terrible idea. Sega doesn't need new infrastructure to advertise Fantasy Star and Sonic. Same with Forza and Gears of War. The stuff is already doable. Ads in games means, yes, you'll see Old Spice ads in Warzone or crap like that. I don't like the direction that this is headed. I'm pretty sure these games are more than profitable enough to justify not having ads. This is publishers pushing to see how much money they can milk out of something before uh, or because they don't want to leave any potential earnings on the table. Unless it's done super carefully and tastefully, it will be terrible. That being said, games like Rogue Company already do this. While waiting for a match, you can watch an ad for in-game currency. It's not really bad at all, except that except that game's progression system is already awful. I think that this is a negative direction to head in, though. The second I get a higher-paid tier of Game Pass that doesn't include ads, I'm out. I'll sell my Xbox and switch uh, and be a Nintendo Switch gamer. All right, and Josiah, you understand as a result of that, we would have to go after you as part of our new army that attacks people who play on Nintendo platforms. So, Cronky, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. You're making yourself a target. Don't act like a victim, okay? But, no, this is uh, this is good. I, and you know what? I, I feel like this is what's great about not having a co-host is I can tear you apart and you, you can't defend yourself for another week because you got to wait to see if I read your comment. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think there are some things I said last week that I think I, I would have pushed back on a little bit. And then there are some things you're saying here where I, I also want to push back a little bit because while I, I do agree that, you know, the devil's advocate to what I was saying last year about, or last week about it not being all that bad is that yes, it is a terrible, yes, it is a terrible thing. And, and it is just because it only takes one bad apple to ruin it for everyone. So let's say because I'll push back with you on the Forza thing. I, I think if you're playing Forza, you know, let's say you're playing the next Forza Motorsport, the one we know is currently in development, and you're driving on a racetrack and on the sides, I don't know what you call that, but like on the racetrack or like in a sports stadium where you see like the banners along the walls and everything, you see an ad for fucking Papa John's Pizza or State Farm Insurance or whatever on the racetrack. I'm going to look at that while I'm playing Forza Motorsport, and I'm not going to say, that sucks, that's detracting from my experience. I'm going to say... Dude, that adds to the realism because Forza Motorsport is a game that aims to be as realistic as humanly possible. The games are supposed, to, the, the cars are supposed to look as as incredibly uh, accurate to their real world counterparts as humanly possible. The tracks are real world tracks; they're supposed to look like exact replicas of their real world counterparts. The graphics, the physics, everything is supposed to be pushed up to eleven. You know, racing games, especially uh, sim racing games like Forza, are usually the pinnacle of like boundary pushing, technology pushing physics and graphics and presentation in video games. So to add something like, you know, a general insurance advertisement on the billboard in Forza, to me, only adds to the realism of the experience. I think that is a net positive. Xbox gets more money. Uh, Turn 10 gets more money, whatever. Good for them. Game prices can potentially stay lower, although with Forza, it's a bad example because Game Pass and the consumer gets an actually more immersive experience because that game is steeped in realism and that ad contributes to the realism. So that that's an example where I will push back on you because I think, in theory, that's actually good. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me watch a 30-second ad before a race. It doesn't, it doesn't have my driver be like, I'm about to win uh, after this third and final lap. But first, I need to tell you about today's sponsor, Dollar Shave Club. It's, it's not that. You know, that would... Well, that might actually make Forza better. But anyway, that that would, in theory, lessen the experience. And that's not what I'm talking about. But like the billboard or the sideboard ads, I think that is potentially a great fit. Where I will give you credit and say that maybe I needed to be pushed on a little more last week is, this, is, is the kind of nature of 
just because it works for something like FIFA or Forza doesn't mean it works for everything. So let's talk about Gears of War, because that was your other example where you said it would be terrible for I think you could potentially maybe find a way to make it somewhat doable in Forza or in Gears of War. That one's harder. That one's definitely harder. I will agree with you on that. I don't love the idea of them just putting an ad in there for the sake of putting an ad, and then it just feels super out of, out of place. Because Gears of War is gritty and realistic in terms of the violence and the horror and the physical disembodiment of, 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 of living organisms. But it is not realistic in that it is our world. You know, Gears of War, everyone looks like a little fucking meat sausage figure with a little thick necks and everything. And they wear like these like crazy pieces of armor. And it's a post-apocalyptic monsters exist type world. If I'm seeing an ad, you know, for, for Dollar Shave Club or Papa John's Pizza, I'm suddenly going to be like, okay, this takes me out of Gears of War. Because yes, Gears of War is realistic in the in in, in sense of portrayal of gratuitous violence and in the imagery of war and in the loss and the destruction and those themes in that sense it is a realistic experience right but it is not a realistic world it is not a one-to-one representation of a world i am familiar with when i in those rare moments where i do turn off my console and leave my apartment and go see actual sunlight so i agree it is potentially harmful and dangerous in that situation but then i heard you know shout out to my favorite the only video game podcast i listen to you know, because I don't want video game podcasts to influence too much of what I say and think on this show. The only one I'll make the exception for, because it's my favorite podcast of all time, was listening to my favorite show, Sacred Symbols. And they made a wonderful point on, on that show. Grand Theft Auto. Speaking of Grand Theft Auto, we were just talking about the best example. It would be limiting. It would, it would deter and, and detract from the experience of Grand Theft Auto. If you were playing that game and the ad wasn't for something made up and comedic and cartoonish, and it was now an ad for a real product. Because so much of that game's kitsch and in, in, in whole identity is dependent on its satirical outlook on real life things. It's about taking things that exist in our real world, making a cartoon satirized version of that, a mockery of it, and then putting it in their made-up world of Liberty City, Los Santos, um, whatever the fuck Grand Theft Auto game you're playing, Vice City, whatever. And... I, I think that's kind of the ultimate example, actually, um, because Grand Theft Auto would be a significantly worse game if I'm playing Grand Theft Auto online and now the billboard doesn't read, like, some ridiculous thing about, like, about like involved in an auto accident, blah, 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 and then, like, some, you know, some kind of, like, poker jab about America's litigi- um, litigious, like, kind of uh, uh, culture about how everything's about suing someone for money or something like that. And they make some really fun tongue in cheek, kind of like billboard ad about like, were you involved in an accident? Sue someone for money, you know? And that would be a very Grand Theft Auto on brand kind of way to do it. But if that ad overnight were to, ch- were to change from a funny gag about, um, about lawsuits in America to suddenly just being like, ah, you know, state farm, Jake is the guy from state farm who wears khaki pants isn't that so fun, boys and girls? Then it would immediately detract from the experience of Grand Theft Auto because it's no longer a satirical game commenting on American culture. It now becomes a game trying to recreate the world we live in, which that's not Grand Theft Auto, that's Forza Motorsport. And so I agree, it's all dependent. And the problem is, I while I personally believe that Xbox, and within their first party, have the willpower and their strength and the respect for the art to do it right if they're going to do it. I don't have that same expectation for everyone else. And I think that's where maybe your point comes into play. Because I I, I think 
that with with Xbox, they'll do it in Forza because it makes sense. Maybe in a game like Gears, if they can't figure out a good way to do it, they won't do it at all. But it'll on, they'll only do it in a way that I can. I, I, I'm pretty sure for the most part that I would respect and be able to understand and 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 live with. But I don't think that's the case for everyone. I, I can't necessarily say that Ubisoft or EA or any of these guys are going to have the same amount of respect and restraint that Xbox have. In fact, Activision, you know, if they weren't about to be part of Team Xbox, I, I can't imagine those guys would have the restraint. I could literally see a fucking scenario where you're playing another World War, another goddamn World War II game set in the Call of Duty world that is not nearly as good as 2008's Call of Duty World at War, where they're just like, oh, geez, Captain, we got to get those damn troops out of fucking uh, Normandy because every fucking World War II game has to do a battle fucking storming the beaches of Normandy because apparently that's the only goddamn event that happened in all of World War II because it's always got to be U.S. versus Germany because, we, God forbid, we talk about the Pacific Theater. Oh, my God. And they'll be like, but first, Sarge, I got to say Private Ryan. His limbs are fucking everywhere. But did I tell you about Boston Dynamics? Amazing new robotics program. It's going to change humanity forever. I know it's the 1940s, but fuck it. This somehow makes sense. And also... Um, we got really awesome battle pass uh, weapon attachments if you if you buy the battle pass and then I'm gonna be like wow this game would have sucked without that ad read but fuck that makes the game even worse shout out to Sledgehammer for having a perfect track record of never making a half decent Call of Duty campaign uh, you guys fucking suck even if your multiplayer is good in, your, in, in Call of Duty Vanguard I gotta say Treyarch should only do all the campaigns going forward and then everyone will be sad and then ads would be everywhere and it would be adpocalypse but not in the way that YouTube did it it'd be like a different kind of adpocalypse and it would just suck so that's the comment let's move on from that conversation because I'm rambling but yes I think there was more to that more to be said last week than what what I laid out so thanks to my boys at Sacred Symbols for for helping enlighten me thanks to my my brother Josiah for pushing back being the uh, devil's advocate I needed Never never push back again, though. I only want comments if you're going to say nice things to me. Which is why we're going to end our comments today with Headhunting Halo, who's be, who's just being cute AF, as I, I wrote in the notes here. I said, Headhunting Halo being cute AF. He goes, whoop, whoop, season two of Halo is so close, baby. About to dig into the fried chicken. Also, how the freak did I fall more in love with my wife after 15 years? Like, what the fuck? You thought I would have had a maxed already but i don't know maybe because she did something new and surprised me in bed giggity also why are we not getting illuminated nameplates for halo infinite like damn do i need to work for them i have so many ideas things that i would do for that game 343 if you're reading this they're not hire me uh by the way you should care about my life you 17th century englishman ollol all right headhunting halo don't ever call me an englishman again also, headhunting Halo. How'd you get your wife to be so happy with you? What What was that? What was that thing you did? Oh, what the fuck are nameplates in Halo Infinite? You mean like your... Oh, I think I know what you mean. Like your little title card? Like you want that illuminated? Headhunting Halo. Mass respect. I love you. Keep writing in. Please, for the love of God. It gives me energy. But f- do, don't... Please. 343 has so many other things we need them to fix first. Like we need them to put big head mode back in the game. That's the first thing we need. Then nameplates. Okay, guys, that's it for all of our comments this week. If you thought, wow, what what a dumb comment section. I, I should leave a comment and put some fucking brain cells into this conversation. Do so. No one's stopping you, bitch. Why don't you fucking leave a comment? Uh, if you're thinking, wow, these comments were really good. I could never top the comments. Probably not. Why don't you just fucking copy and paste the dad joke from Google? You dumbass. Do it. 
But for next week, whatever you decide to do, don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump to what I've been playing this week. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, I got to tell you about what I've been eating. And oh boy, have I been eating. I've, my calorie count has gone out the window. I've been on a little bit of a staycation. So what, 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 what did I do? Guys, it's been a minimum of four years of my life that I have been doing this fucking shtick where I pretend I'm all about the parrot head Margaritaville culture. I always go to the resort. I never stay there, but I go there and I tour and I walk around. And I, I joke about how one day I'm going to stay here. One day I'm going to eat here. And I go to Universal City Walk and I walk by the big Margaritaville restaurant. I go, that's my favorite restaurant. Oh, I love it so much. And I have the Margaritaville t-shirt and I listen to Jimmy Buffett sometimes at work. I convinced everyone at my job that we had to have the radio station such so to the Sirius XM Margarita, uh, Radio Margaritaville Margaritaville because I thought it was funny. Ooh, so funny, so cute, so tongue-in-cheek. He loves Jimmy Buffett, even though he's not one of those old white people that just uh, fucking parrot head, you know, drinking margaritas all the time. I'm not one of them, but it's been a weird thing for me. I don't know why I can't explain it. It's a forced meme, and it's pretty much just 0% funny. But this week, I actually tied the knot with the Margaritaville. I went down to the, to the City Walk at Universal, and for the first time in my life, I ate at Margaritaville. So now it's not cute. Now it's not just a what if. This is a thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, as they like to say, as the libs like to say, it is a lived experience. My Margaritaville uh, dining event this, this past week was a lived experience. And I ordered apps, entrees, and desserts. You got, you bet your sweet ass. I had a free birthday dessert and, and saved up for a very long time in my email inbox that I finally unearthed and used and god damn it it was a it was a key lime pie that was so good to have and i loved it guys this key lime pie it had very little tartness even though my girlfriend swears it was too tart and then it had like a layer of like a whole creamy layer of whipped cream on top and then another smaller layer of whipped cream on top of that and then it had of course your beautiful golden graham cracker crust but then a gooey slop of raspberry sauce to dip it in. And this was one of the best key lime pies I've had since at least Dick Cheney was a thing. And, oh, my God, I would recommend this this key lime pie to you 100 times out of 100. Margaritaville in general. So I, I, I knew this a little bit going into it because I've seen the YouTube videos. I've, I, I looked at the Google reviews. Margaritaville is to Universal Orlando Resort what Rainforest Cafe is to Disney World. It is just like this, why the fuck did this company let this stupid third-party restaurant group uh, build this ridiculous fucking thing in the middle of their property? And they did anyway, and it's ridiculous. You go in there, there's a massive volcano that erupts, and all the lava flows out of the volcano into a giant uh, drink mixer, and it, it blends margaritas. This is an actual thing that happens. There's a plane hanging from the ceiling that's spinning. There are boats that you can sit in, and they're playing Jimmy Buffett all over the walls, and there's, there, it's theming from the ceiling to floor, everything. It's insane. And you would think, this is exactly like the Rainforest Cafe, except the emphasis is now on adults, and the theming has diverted the attention from the rainforest and monkeys beating on their chest and tropical rainstorms to old upper class Americans uh, who have terrible balding and skin cancer uh, screaming about margaritas in the middle of a fucking theme park resort and it is just a terrifying experience and I just gotta say here as a lifelong Rainforest Cafe fan how the fuck is Margaritaville just generally a, a passable adult experience that no one judges you for doing 
but being an adult and being a card-carrying Landry Select member who goes to Rainforest Cafe on a regular basis is frowned upon because I don't have a child. And I, I just got to ask, because the segment's what I've been eating, and if we're talking about what I've been eating, the food was great. We had a crab dip. It was great. We had a cheeseburger in paradise. The bun was stale, but the burger was great. The fries were good. We had some fish tacos, black and mahi-mahi. How could you go wrong? Great shit. I was surprised that the rice and beans were as good as they were, considering, again, it's Margaritaville. And, yeah, it's, it's a good time. The food, great. That's not what I'm here to complain about. What I want to know is, now that I've experienced both, I can confidently tell you Margaritaville is just adult rainforest cafe. But if I go to work tomorrow and I tell my coworkers and I tell my managers and I tell my higher-ups all about Margaritaville, they're going to be going, oh, that place sure is good. I like to go there with my wife and get drunk on the weekends because I love Saturday nights. And that's fine. Good. I'm glad we can all get along on that. But if I go into work tomorrow and I tell them, oh, I went to the Rainforest Cafe, no, I don't have a kid, and my nephew wasn't in town, it was just me and my adult girlfriend, and we went on our own uh, volition, and it was delicious and wonderful, and I, and I wish I were there right now instead of at this fucking job. Everyone would look at me like I'm a fucking pedophile and be like, that's weird, you need to grow up. Also, here are three hipster, re- re- here are three hipster restaurants downtown I think you should try. And I would be like, why do I feel so out of touch with humanity? What is wrong with me? Oh, woe is me. I can't share my undenying love for the Rainforest Cafe, but I can like Margaritaville, which is just an objectively, thematically shittier version of Rainforest Cafe. And so that's where we are. Is the Margaritaville delicious? Yes. And if you find yourself on a family vacation to the Universal Orlando Resort, I highly recommend you go to the Margaritaville. You will have a wonderful time. It's great. It's a wonderful time. I don't regret it. But man, put some fucking respect on my boy Rainforest Cafe's name by going there without your damn kids and having a good time, okay? It's a wild place to shop and eat. All right, now that's it for what I've been eating, but guys, let's talk about what I've been playing. Well, I have been out of town mostly this week. I say out of town, I mean 25 minutes up the road, but I've been out of town this week, and so what I've been mostly... I played some video games over the weekend leading up to um, this week, but I didn't have a lot of time to play video games. That's what all the preamble's for, so I wasn't here. I played some video games... I am feeling a tremendous amount of guilt that I bought Far Cry 6 two months ago. I played the first quarter of the game and really enjoyed it and then got on this podcast and raved about how good it was and then fell off it super hard and haven't come back to it since. And so I've come back to Far Cry 6 and I said, Jesse, I want to play more Modern Warfare 2019 because for some reason... For some reason, that game's just been doing it for me lately. But no, I cannot play Modern Warfare. I need to finish Far Cry 6. So I did something you're not supposed to admit you do. But I know a lot of you probably do it. I'm not the only one. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get through a game. So I go into the settings and, you know, don't don't tell my gamer cred about my, my the people who know about my gamer cred. But I drop the difficulty down to story mode just so I can say, fuck it. We're on autopilot. I just want to see this game to the end. I would rather play through the next 15 hours of Far Cry 6 on story mode, just kind of getting through it and say I saw it through the end. Then to just give up 20% into the game and be like, oops, I just I just didn't have it in me. I didn't have the energy. So that that's my justification. I don't need to defend myself. Fuck you. So we're on story mode now. We're back on Far Cry 6, and I'm further now. I'm probably 
the game's average time to beat is like 20 between 20 and 25 hours i'm probably seven hours eight hours into the game when i finally get myself to play this game and i get in the rhythm far cry 6 is so much better than far cry 5 it's such a return to form of the far cry 3 and 4 that i love so much with a lot of quality of life improvements but it's just when i'm not playing it it's one of those games where it's like pulling teeth to get me back on the couch playing that game again and so that's the problem. It's like, how do you, and I know we all have examples of games like that. It's like, how do you reconcile with a game that you think is objectively great when you're playing it, when you're in the mood for it, and when you're getting through it, but the desire to to play it, for the game to pull you to the couch, to come and turn it on and re-engage with it, is so low that you'd rather fucking watch paint dry than, than evoke yourself to go and play Far Cry 6. And that's kind of the situation I'm up against here. It, it's the weirdest thing in the world, because... It feels like Far Cry 3, but the 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 shooting mechanics are vastly improved, especially on console. The aim assist, the snap aiming, all that just feels so much better than previous Far Cry games. It doesn't have as much meandering bullshit like Far Cry 5. All the town building bullshit is all optional if you don't want to deal with it, if you don't want to interface with it. It's not that bullcrap of, like, you have to do absolutely everything in this territory to trigger this boss scene to progress the main quest. It's just you do what you want, when you want, in whatever order you want, and play it the way you fucking want, like Far Cry was meant to be played back in the Far Cry 3 and 4 days. So it's really, really good. It feels better than ever before. The game looks stunning. The, a lot of the weapons you can customize and build out and shit are really cool to hold and play with. And I really like the game. And, and I find the main quest pretty, pretty cool. It's, it's like previous Far Cry games where it's like really interesting villain character, but the villain just disappears too many times throughout the main quest because you clearly they didn't have enough time and money to get the bad guy actor to be there too much. And uh, But the moments where the bad guy is there are really compelling, and a lot of the developments of the characters surrounding the game are pretty interesting, and you get invested in it. But it's just this thing of like, if I'm playing Far Cry 6 for like an hour, I'm really into Far Cry 6. And if I haven't played Far Cry 6 in a day or two, you, like it's like, Jesse, do you want to play Far Cry 6 and pick it back up? Or do you want to go um, take rusty nails and ingest them, but backwards through our assholes up to our esophagus? And I'll be like, damn, those nails looking tasty right now. It's just the problem I'm up against. So I, I'm sure you've all come across scenarios like that. But I'm playing Far Cry 6. I hate it when I'm not playing it, and I love it when I play it. And I want to be playing Modern Warfare 2019 because there's something fundamentally broken with me. But maybe if they just put an ad in Modern Warfare 2019 for a consumer product that I hate, it might drive me away from the game for good. So, hey, who knows? Maybe maybe ads in gaming is a good thing after all. Guys, that's it for all of our opening segments, our fun shit. We're an hour into the show, as we always are, before we actually even got into the news. But now it is time to calm down, get to the news and uh, take this podcast like a man. If they say that, I don't know why they say it, but that's what they say, right? All right, the news, guys. We got a whole list of... Co- Actually, this this week's news, not terribly long. A lot, about, a lot about Xbox making money. So if that makes you happy, well, it should be a happy news week. Guys, VGC relays that Microsoft have claimed that strong Xbox Series X and S sales have seen the company capture market share for two consecutive quarters. Additionally, Microsoft's gaming business has posted record revenue for non-holiday quarters. On Tuesday, the company announced that the results for its third fiscal, uh, financial quarter ended in March 31st, 2022, saying that gaming revenue was up 6% year-over-year from $3.5 billion in Q3 2021 to $3.74 billion. Wow, that's a lot of money to me. 
revenueing. Microsoft said that Xbox <laughs> content and services revenue was up 4% year over year with a growth in Game Pass subscriptions and first party titles partially offset by decline in third party games. On the hardware side of things, and this is from Satya Nadella, CEO of Microsoft, saying, quote, with our Xbox Series X and S consoles, we have taken share globally for two quarters in a row, as he said during the third quarter earnings call. We are cont- we are the market leader in this quarter among the next console in line in the US, Canada, and UK, and Western Europe. Xbox, and that's the end of the quote, Xbox has its best March on record last month in the US, both in terms of console sales and dollar sales, according to the MPD Group, which tracks data and sales uh, records month over month. Xbox Series X and S was also the best-selling console platform for the first quarter in dollars, the market research firm reported on Monday. Xbox Series sales in Europe were higher than those of the PS5 for the first time back in February, and the Xbox Series X and S were the top-selling consoles to launch in the UK in March. So, obviously our top story here, Xbox is making shit tons of money and doing very, very well. Now, obviously, just them doing well isn't much to, uh, you know, it's not like, whoa, because we've seen that they've been growing, and that's Series X and S are having a, uh, are injecting a lot of interest into the brand, and obviously Game Pass is growing the brand a lot. However, continued growth, especially this far removed from the holidays, is actually pretty unlike anything we've seen in quite a while from Xbox, especially anything during the past generation. So generally, this is the point where we we say, well, it is possible that there are more Xbox Series consoles being put out into the market than PlayStation 5 consoles, right? We know uh, Xbox Series S generally is easier to come by, but we always assume, right? just based off sheer demand because every time PlayStation goes in in, in in stock, it's out of stock in five seconds or less. We always assume that if there was uncapped inventory of both Xbox Series X slash S and PlayStation 5, that PlayStation would outsell Xbox dramatically, right? That's always what we, what we postulate based on just demand and interest and things like that. And I still think that's true but you gotta wonder now if what we're seeing is and i i guess we've probably mentioned this before but you gotta wonder if maybe this is a, a matter of microsoft is a big 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 company and if they want to twist manufacturing and partner arms and say hey we want special access to chips and things like that that they have more they have more of a bargaining chip than someone like sony who is substantially smaller as a company the only reason i don't generally go around promoting that potential theory is because even though microsoft is way bigger than sony times a bunch microsoft while they've only gotten been getting bigger and bigger on this in recent years is not traditionally a hardware company microsoft sony has been making hardware for a very very long time and on top of that their gaming hardware has always historically been way a a way hotter commodity a way higher selling item than the xbox brand in general so is xbox is microsoft a way bigger company that potentially theoretically has more of a more of a an ability to bargain than sony yeah but Xbox's revenue is made from like Azure and in Office 365 and Windows and stuff like that. It's not made from selling Xboxes and Surfaces. That shit's chump change to Xbox or to Microsoft. So you think about all these manufacturing partners, and if you're making deals right now in in, in an economy where the chip shortage is real, and you have to you have to pick favorites. You have to say, okay, well we have to meet the demands of this partner before we can meet this partner because this partner we make money more money on. Frankly, they're a bigger contract, right? You 
You would assume that fulfilling obligations with Sony to get chips for PlayStation 5s matters much, much more than fulfilling promises with Xbox to get chips made for Xbox consoles. But here we are in a situation where we're seeing more Xboxes in the wild. Xboxes are outselling PlayStations. But the consistent factor in all of this is the Series S, where we're somehow seeing the Series S all the time. Anecdotally, at the very least, we're seeing it all the time in stores, right? You never see the Series X, and you sure as hell never see a PS5. So you got to wonder, is there something about the Series S where it's easier to manufacture? Because it has the same core chip as the fucking, for the most part, as the Series S. It just doesn't have like the SSD and some other things. It's it's mostly the same shit. You would assume, at least, it, as, as a complete layman, as someone who doesn't know enough about tech, that producing an Xbox Series S would also be quite challenging in this current production pipeline landscape clusterfuck we see ourselves in. So that's my confusion is how much of this is like, well, Xbox Series S is just easier to produce. So they make more and it sells more. Or how much of it is like, well, this company has more of a bargaining power than this company, right? And then how much of it is true demand? There's no doubt that Whatever the answer is, it's a multitude of factors, but I, I would bet money that there is one factor that plays a significantly larger role in the reason for this performance over other factors. Maybe that factor is Game Pass? I don't know, because what, what we're seeing here, Sachin Adele is clearly differentiating between uh, an uptick in hardware sales and an uptick in software revenue, and so they're, they're making it clear that both of these things are, are soaring. So it's not like Xbox revenue is going up period and we can just attribute that all to game pass because if that were the case i'd be like well who cares about how many xboxes are selling think about how many subscriptions they're gaining on game pass from people who have pcs and they're getting game pass for pc you could just make that argument and then wipe your hands of the entire conversation and be like that's that but that's not what we're seeing because they're talking about how xbox is the best-selling console hardware or at least outperformed PlayStation and hardware sales in February and in March. And so it's just, again, it's just like, it, it must come down to Xbox Series S being easier to get parts for and therefore they can manufacture more and therefore when consumers go to the store, all they see on shelves, regardless of what they came there to buy, is an Xbox Series S. And if you're, if you're 18 months into this fucking wait and you're just tired of waiting around to get your hands on something and all you can ever find is a Series S... Maybe you just take the Series S. And that's that's really the only thing I can think of. And we talked about this multiple times every time revenue comes up. But yeah, Xbox is doing really, really well right now, despite it all. And they'd probably be doing even better if, if there were no chip shortages. But to think that they are just outselling PlayStation on the o their own, like, value of their brand and the goodwill of the consumer and like all the goodwill they've garnered over the past few years with being a more pro-consumer brand with the series x and s being a refresh for xbox in a lot of ways i still don't see that being nearly enough to have brought them to a point where people are like oh yeah fuck playstation i'm buying an xbox i think what we're seeing is just people can get xbox it's what they're finding on stores uh, in stores and the the goodwill is there enough with Xbox and the intrigue is there enough with Game Pass that people are like, fuck it. You know, for $300, I'll bite. You know, I can't get a PlayStation 5 to save my life. 300 bucks, I'll see what this Game Pass is about. I know people are high on Xbox. Let me check out what's going on over in this ecosystem. And that must be enough of the story around the world to where it is just bolstering Xbox's numbers. 
That's all I can think about. Because then the rest is services and, and software. And with that, I don't I don't struggle with understanding that at all. Obviously, it's, it's, even if you're not selling consoles, you got PC people signing up for Game Pass all the time. You got more and more Xbox users signing up for Game Pass all the time. You got a lot more interest in your new consoles. So those who are buying a new console who aren't traditionally Xbox players are getting Game Pass. So obviously, Game Pass is a huge amount of just subscription revenue going up. And then, yeah, you know, people, people are buying shit. People are spending money and shit. So I like none of that. None of that confuses me. I'm not sitting here trying to figure that part out. But nonetheless, this is exciting news for Xbox. I think from the perspective of a fan who's trying to be like, okay, so what does it matter to me as a consumer that Xbox is doing really well? I think the exciting thing here is that Xbox is reaching a new point, a new juncture that it hasn't been in in so long, man. Uh, during the entirety of the Xbox One generation, it wasn't in. Where I think spirits are high at Team Xbox. I think the possibility and the just the um the expectations and the potential and the possibility for xbox right now are just so high that i think it's probably a really highly motivating place for people to work right now i'm sure people are really i'm sure developers are really excited about the flexibility and the hands-off kind of uh management nature i'm sure xbox leadership is really quite pleased with seeing game pass numbers just soar and soar and soar especially as we're starting to see in recent weeks in the news netflix is hemorrhaging subscribers and other services are starting to cannibalize one another and we're starting to see that market kind of come out of heads with one another and just to see a- xbox not have to pay any real attention to that or i mean they should pay attention to it but to see them not have to really be bound to that circumstance and to just keep soaring and doing better and better and better and growing despite that outcome that other subscription-based services are, are in, in encountering despite of course being unrelated you know tv versus video games i i think this it, this puts xbox this puts microsoft in a good position where it's like yes everything pertaining to our gaming initiative right now whether or not this is going to work out for us in five years or not who knows but in this moment everything feels like it's at an all-time high and things are going you know obviously you know rip 343 you guys are just kind of in the shit right now you're trying to get caught up on all this stuff with halo your fan your fan base is perpetually pissed off at you that's a different story right the initiative whatever the fuck they're doing that's a whole mess over there as well but i'm not talking about at these individual studios i'm talking about in general for xbox studios and in general for team xbox i think this is a very exciting, very exciting time, and I think you're gonna get. Um, I don't want to say better because usually you get the best when they're when they're down and they're out and they're, they're kind of downtrodden at their lowest. But you're going to see a different Microsoft emerge over the coming year or two, and that kind of sounds stupid to say because it's like, well, yeah, dude, Xbox has been so different recently. But what I'm saying is you're gonna see a different energy coming from them, and I I hope they don't. I hope this doesn't crush them. You know, I hope this doesn't become like Sony where. It's like, they're doing great, they're doing great, they're doing great. Then they get super, super cocky with PS3. Fuck it all up, piss everyone off. And then they have to rebuild. And then PS4, they come back at it. I think PlayStation's kind of getting a little cocky again. But I think we're in an interesting state of gaming right now where I think both brands could potentially be entering a period of cockiness. It's very possible. Xbox definitely postures itself as the more pro-consumer. We listen to our audience. We're gamers too kind of brand but you know make no mistake they're fucking corporate entity owned by microsoft i mean they own the world microsoft is is here for one reason one reason only it's to get all the attention and all the money and all the usership of all the people in all of the world and so 
that's the ultimate goal. <laughs> but it, it just, uh, this is it. We're in, we're in the swing. We're about to see the Xbox that is unrecognizably tailored or unrecognizable from the Xbox One era Xbox. And if revenue continues to go in this direction, if console sales continue to go in this direction, if Game Pass subscription subscriptions continue to trend upward we are looking at a very very different xbox in the next year or so now conversely on 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 playstation side of things i think you also have a situation where they don't have much going on over there obviously horizon forbidden west just came out that's a huge game for them i get that but aside from playstation users not being able to get their hands on a fucking playstation 5 playstation's having a really slow start out the gate and i know they had they've had first party content don't get me wrong but you look at games like returnal super niche demon souls remake at least we thought it was super niche until fucking elden ring came out and showed the world that everyone apparently loves those games but for the most part they haven't really had a lot of buzz surrounding them they haven't they don't have game pass they don't have a bunch of first party content they're not buying up all the teams and so it is also possible that it's it's just that playstation's having sort of a dull start to their console generation and it, it won't be until it really starts ramping up that we see all that interest kind of flock back to playstation but you see, I say that and I don't even believe that because we also know that PlayStation 5 is selling at a faster clip than PlayStation 4 was, despite the chip shortage, despite the pandemic. And we and we have the, the data to show that if PlayStation 5 were available in an unlimited stock, it would be massively outselling PS4 at this point in its life cycle. And it's already doing that. It's already outselling in general with just, you know, in this current situation so it can't even fully be looked at in, in terms of a team one versus team two kind of way because it just seems like gaming in general is just absolutely exploding and booming console gaming is just it's just continues to soar despite it all so that's another thing is just more people are just coming to xbox despite you know whether they're new gamers gamers from other sides of the industry or they're pc gamers coming back to console for some reason whatever it is it's just Lots of interest is coming into the console space right now. And good for Xbox. Hopefully, uh, <clears throat> they don't become too cocky, forget who got them there, and then start treating us like shit, because we've seen that happen. <clears throat> now, next up, this is where the news starts getting more interesting, because it's not kind of a repeat of more good news for a, a corporation. This is um, this is interesting. Guys, we're going to quote Kotaku here. I know I gave them shit, but if they got the scoop, they got the scoop. Can't do anything about that. Got to give credit where it's due. So Kotaku reports, and this is all about Ubisoft, so buckle up, motherfuckers. Private equity firms could be beginning to circle over Ubisoft, Bloomberg reported last Friday. Talks are early, but it includes interest from firms like Blackstone Inc. and KKR and Co. Even if it's not private equity, senior, current, and former Ubisoft developers Kotaku has spoken with in recent months believe the company will eventually sell to someone amid flagging stock prices and ongoing production struggles. Bloomberg reports that Blackstone and KKR and Co. are the two biggest private equity firms in the world and have been studying French business and have preliminary takeover interests in Ubisoft. But that, and those are quotes from others, um, but that the company hasn't yet entered any sort of serious negotiation or potential uh, with a potential acquirers. According to Kotaku sources, Ubisoft has been working closely with several outside consultancy firms in recent years to audit various parts of its business. While companies will do, uh, will often do this to become more profitable and prepare itself for the future. Sources that Kotaku spoke with suggest it's a sign Ubisoft is trying to tidy up its books for a potential sale. On a wave of recent big gaming acquisitions, it seems like the like a game of eat or be eaten for those who remain. EA CEO Andrew Wilson said that much of his er much of his earnings call earlier this year, uh, that in which he placed FIFA publisher firmly in the big fish looking to eat other fish camp. Ubisoft 
has been more coy uh, about its survival strategy, however, when asked in its most recent earnings call why the French publisher seemingly hadn't received any bid interests, CFO Frederick Duguet uh, had said that he wouldn't speculate on why no offer had been made before being corrected by CEO or co-founder Yves Gilmont. The company Gilmont asserted was neither confirmed or denying if potential buyers had approached it. If someone had wanted to buy Ubisoft, they would potentially be getting it at a huge discount. However, the stock was over $110 in July of 2018, but today sits at over just at $41. But they would still need to go through the Gilmont family, which is currently estimated to own 15% of just under $5 billion market cap on the business. CEO Yves Gilmont famously fended off a hostile takeover attempt by French media conglomerate Vivendi after securing funding from Tencent and others back in 2018. But some sources currently informally within the company now believe that 35-year game industry veteran might be looking for an exit strategy. So that's first of all, that's interesting. I didn't know uh, Tencent was one of the ways Gilmont got that money. But I do remember when that Vivendi story was ever present in the news. I thought that was like 2014, but I guess it was like 2015, 16, 17-ish. Anyway, that was going for a while, but neither here nor there. There's a Kotaku. There is a Kotaku problem, but that's not what we're talking about. There's a Ubisoft problem. It's been going on for a minute here where this this company seemed like... It's so weird because Ubisoft had often been seen as like number three in the big three, if you will, right? Outside your main hardware software manufacturers like Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft... You had the big three publishers uh, who do third-party content, Activision, EA, and Ubisoft. And Ubisoft was always kind of seen as the, the third, right? Like Activision is the biggest, then EA, then Ubisoft. But man, oh man, Ubisoft has just seemed like it's just flailing in recent years, right? They used to be so on it with like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Experimental Project here. Uh, tactical shooter, whatever, uh, siege, whatever, and and their games would just hit the division. They, their games would just hit. It'd be like, here's the next Watch Dogs, here's the next Division, here's the next Far Cry, here's the next Assassin's Creed. Boom, 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 and they'd have a really tight development schedule. Their games would always come out in. And I know people can argue this, you know, the quality of the state in which they release and whatever. By the most, by most metrics in the games industry, their games would generally come out at a steady clip, at a decent enough quality, and generally be big sellers, people pleasers, etc. Whether you like Ubisoft or not, that's kind of where the, the the pocket they've been operating in for quite a while. And we've just seen this happen in the past two or three years, where it's like, okay, something's happening. Their production pipeline has been gunked up a little bit. We saw Far Cry 6 had to get a huge delay. Um, we're seeing games get mixed to poor reception. We're seeing games kind of just come and go and not be a huge thing for them. Um, a couple of games that were kind of in some ways flops, I, I believe, uh, was it Phoenix Immortal Rising or whatever ended up being again. Um, ended up just kind of being underwhelming, though apparently they're working on a sequel for that game. And just all this kind of stuff where their pipeline's completely fucked. They're not releasing games at a steady clip anymore. And when game development, especially the kind of game development they do, which is big AAA open world bullshit, when that's getting more and more expensive than ever before and you can't have that steady, presumable uh, release schedule, your investors are starting to wonder what the fuck's happening, where's the money, where the game releases. And then on top of that, we also see them kind of losing their cool. Ubisoft has been a team, I would say, above pretty much any other big publisher that is defined by its style of game, right? Ubisoft is the first one I can think of where people are like, oh, it's like a Ubisoft style game, which means 
big open world checkbox type single player game, right? And that, that's like, it's such a, you know, infamous or famous, however you want to look at it, kind of thing that Ubisoft had been known for. However, we're starting to see that kind of not be their thing where they're, they're desperate to try and find different markets, find different genres to be successful. And we're constantly seeing them try Battle Royale or something like that. Tactical shooters with this, um, whatever that fucking game is called. I can't even remember the name of it. Something X, Defiant X, I think that's what it's called. That new Ghost Recon thing, the NFT bullshit they're dealing with. Ubisoft just seems like they're in a place where they don't have everyone on tight, on a tight development schedule. They can't get the games out of steady clip. When they do, the games are a little more hit or miss than they used to be. Honestly, with the exception of of what was it god of war or not god of war assassin's creed was it ragnarok assassin's creed valhalla assassin's creed valhalla with the exception of that game they really haven't released something that was like universally praised loved sold like crazy amazing in a while the last watchdogs game they did wasn't as as big far cry 6 has sold incredibly well but it just a lot of the reaction to it was like it took too long to get this game it wasn't innovative enough when we got it they're they're in a, they're in a bind needless to say and i think a lot for a lot of people the natural outlook is like okay time to sell xbox has money sell xbox whatever a lot of people thought playstation was going to potentially buy ubisoft but now according to sources that kotaku is speaking with and god i hope this doesn't end up being the case it looks like their interested buyers are less other big giants in the games industry like tencent or embracer group or microsoft and it's more like private interest firms which is just the best. These are, in, in case, and we won't get into this because, again, it's not a political podcast. It's uh, We're just talking about video games. But for those who don't know, companies like Blackstone and KKR and Co. are, like, the actual evil of the world. These are the these are the companies that, like, no one knows who they are or what they are or what they do. They run everything. They run all the corporations. They run all the, all the politics. They have all the money. They're the reason why the housing market is the way it is. They're the reason why you will never own a piece of land in your entire life. They're the reason why people will always be poor and working class. These are, like, the most evil fucking corruption, most evil fucking corrupt uh, groups in the world. Richest people in the world. They're why the bank system is fucked and corrupt and evil. Everything that's wrong with the world comes from these kinds of companies. So this is like really seedy, weird money. And apparently they want to get investing in video games and for some reason starting with French business and potentially Ubisoft as as an, uh, as a potential acquiree. I hate this. I hate this so much. I hate this so much. It's like, it's like one of those things where in your head, you're just like, God, not Tencent. God, not Tencent. Please, anyone but Tencent. And they're like, Blackstone. You're like, fuck, God, anyone but Blackstone or Tencent. You know, and then they're just like, Satan. Uh, it, it, it just gets worse, right? So anyway, so it, it just it just continues to be this whole thing of like a little worried about Ubisoft. They had actually a lot of sexual misconduct and, and harassment allegations uh, and scandals similar to Activision, um, even before Activision's thing was really public. And they've been fighting with that. They're losing lots and lots of core talent, high-level talent, uh, key leadership. Their their whole release schedule is out of whack. They're just kind of grasping at tr- at straws, trying to figure out ways to get into this like battle royale, free to play gaming uh, multiplayer market. And it just seems like their uh, their bread and butter, these open world games, these big single player one and done open world games, they're having a hard time <clears throat> getting that development timeline to be in that steady flow that it's traditionally been on. All of that with additional reports that apparently Yves Gilmont is thinking about trying to hang up 
you know, hang it up and, and, and potentially retire, but hasn't been able to find a suitable person to replace him or succeed him, you know, it leads to a situation where it's like the company's kind of in a shit situation. Your CEO is basically getting ready to get out. Really CD money is coming from all weird corners of the industry. I, I don't know. I don't I don't love this. I, I In fact, I quite fucking hate it. But I uh, I hope this doesn't become, well, first of all, for in, in the grander scheme of things, I hope this doesn't become the, the catalyst for these types of, groups to get involved with the games industry although you can't imagine that they're interested in getting ubisoft and being done with it but also i hope that this is murmurings that lead to nothing i hope at the very best case scenario this is just kotaku being kotaku and not knowing shit but you gotta you gotta give them credit where credit's due kotaku does have a history of getting some solid reporting done and i doubt that they that these are bad sources that are saying much about nothing at the very least there's there's something going on here so this is a this is a wait and see keep a close uh watch on hopefully we can see ubisoft turn around maybe that new battle royale thing that they're working on that's a that's basically a rework of what was that game called hyperscape you see what i'm talking about like their, their fucking portfolio is just fucked hopefully that 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 turns into something maybe uh massive who uh work on the division are are going to be able to turn that star wars project they're working on around relatively soon and that's going to be a huge thing for them i don't know um but right now it seems like the only reliable bread and butter they have is assassin's creed and far cry and it just uh it's it's not a great look over at ubisoft they're having internal issues leadership issues things are looking bad the development pipeline's fucked they're not having an easy time finding their way into this evolving market they're trying too hard to reach out to branch out into different different styles and different markets that just aren't their thing pissing fans off with nfts everything is uh looking quite bleak and and the weirdest part of it all is if if you go back just a few years before COVID and all this stuff even started that you could, you know, easily point to and be like, well, that's why production's fucked up. That's why development's fucked up. You know, even if you go back before that, if anyone had asked, you know, look at the big publishers, who's good, who's bad. Everyone would have been like, oh yeah, EA is the absolute worst. They are, they are the crap from hell. They come from the bottom of the underworld so that fuck them. And then, uh, and then Activision, you know, they put out good games, but they do too much of that Call of Duty shit. Um, good stuff, but but they're a little one note. So Activision's kind of second in the shit list. And then actually the best of the three is definitely Ubisoft because they have a, a good variety of games. Uh, they have, you know, different interesting IP. They work on more than one type of game. They treat their employees well. They make, you know, whatever. And that's kind of what the perception was. And then you fast forward a few years and it's so weird. It's like, well, yeah, Activision's on fire, but they're making so much money and they're about to be sold out to Microsoft. And EA's actually turned the ship around. They're doing great all that Star Wars Battlefront 2 stuff, they recovered from it. They're doing wonderful. In fact, they're they're doing so well, they don't even need FIFA. They're about to get rid of FIFA as a brand altogether so they can make even more money. They don't even necessarily need to be bought out in this market where everyone's buying everywhere, everyone, because they're doing so well. And uh, believe it or not, UB, uh, fucking EA, the, the company that's been voted consistently like worst company in the world, actually doesn't have the sexual misconduct and the harassment scandals that all the other companies are dealing with. Believe it or not, some fucking how... EA isn't facing that, but Ubisoft is, and they can't get it together, and everything with their game production pipeline is fucked, and they're, they're throwing things at the wall, and Hyperscape, and Defiant X, and NFTs aren't really working for them, and we'll see, we'll see, but it's a weird, weird alt history we're looking at here. <laughs> but uh, next up, we've got a, a lot of Halo news, so I apologize if you're not a Halo guy, I know most of you probably are, that's why you're 
here in the Xbox world of things, but uh, not everyone is, so we won't we won't linger on too much. But some significant Halo information this week: Windows Central uh, reported that a new roadmap or relayed a new roadmap providing insight into what is coming for Halo Infinite has uh, been released, explaining the rest of 2022 for the game. Development at th- developers 343 uh, have shared the roadmap last Friday detailing current targets for various modes, updates including the long-awaited campaign co-op. Network or online campaign co-op is currently slated for a late August 2022 launch, alongside an update to bring the ability to replay missions. Forge mode is scheduled to enter a beta testing in spring, and 343 have expressed a desire to get that mode into the player's hands sooner rather than later. So uh, some kind of beta for that. As part of the roadmap, the length of the Halo Infinite Season 2 has also been extended. So Season 3 will not begin until November 8th, 2022, according to 343. That was Joseph Satan who said that. The primary reason for extending the length of season two is to allow for a higher quality of life up for higher quality of life updates while maintaining the health of the development team. Stan also shared that season two is introducing multiplayer narrative events that feature a player's Spartan in an ongoing storyline, though it's currently unclear how exactly these will unfold. Halo Infinite season three is set to include split screen co-op as well as a new battle pass, more maps and more modes. <laughs> Now, we will continue to the second half of this in a little bit, but let's talk about this because it's kind of unrelated a little bit. All right, so this this information was just universally like for everyone. And again, I kind of feel bad for 343 because it felt like that situation where they're like, we don't want to put out a roadmap because we know what we have to tell our audience is not going to be very interesting and exciting. It's actually going to be quite disappointing. So if we put out a roadmap, everyone's going to get pissed at us and then we're going to look like bad guys and we're going to take a bunch of shit for it. So let's just take, stay quiet, keep our heads down, get to work. Well, everyone spent the past few months bitching and moaning saying, where's a roadmap? Tell us what's coming. If we could at least have an idea of what to expect and when to expect it then everything would be okay we just got you just communicate with your audience communicate with your fans please 343 and then finally 343 caves and like fine here's a roadmap very idealistic this is what we hope to accomplish i know it's not much but this is what we got and everyone's like seriously 343 this roadmap sucks you suck i hope all your developers hurt themselves oh also i am currently calling every one of your uh multiplayer developers mothers to let them know that they are horrible pieces of shit because this is a very healthy thing for halo fans to do on twitter um and also i want to let you know that in case you're unaware only two maps for the entirety of season two is simply not enough content and also having to wait until this fall for season three that is insane that is terrible 343 what made you think that was a good idea it's like okay everyone needs to stop because yes 343 have royally fucked this thing up i get it but what's happened has happened and in what we're facing right now with the content drought of halo infinite is a long tail event it is a ripple effect this is what we're feeling as a result of decisions that were made years ago so for everyone to do this fucking like you ever seen south park where they do captain hindsight for everyone to put on their fucking mask and play this captain hindsight character of like 343 let me tell you where you fucked up you should have made halo infinite years earlier than you made it duh you shouldn't have scrapped content years ago and had to restart duh It's like, guys, 343 knows this better than anyone. And I think it is entirely valid for fans to express their disappointment. And it is justified for fans to express their disappointment. It is justified for fans to express their frustration with the lack of communication. Because remember, if this was, if if Halo Infinite were a one and done game, here's the game, fuck off, we're making the next Halo. That's one thing. But they kept saying this is a live service game and then continued to not interact with an update on the live service. So 343 is absolutely at fault here. I get that. I'm not trying to alleviate them of responsibility. But also, 
understand that there's only so much expressing of, of disappointment and, and, and Captain Hindsight commandeering you can do before it's like, I think they get it. I think it's just a matter of there's nothing they can fucking do at this point other than work at fixing the problem. The reason why Halo Infinite has so little content, the reason why Halo Infinite can't get stupid fucking simple updates like replayable campaign missions out before August is because of really bad decisions and production issues and, and, and choices that were made two, three years ago that they are facing the consequences of today in 2022. And I know it's a small podcast and unfortunately probably no one who works at 343 listens to this podcast. But I, I do I do want to just use this opportunity because mostly every other podcast you're going to listen to, and that's not this this isn't a slight on other podcasters because I don't know them, and I'm sure most of them are a lot more level headed and reasonable than even I am. But a lot of people you see are going to just see this as like this is unacceptable. WTF three four three, and I get that, and it's justified to an extent. But like we're not contributing anything more to the conversation at this point by being like season three doesn't start till November. Wait, you're telling me season two is half a year long. Wow. 343, you fucked up or really by the time season three comes out, modern warfare two is going to be out guys. Don't you realize everyone's going to abandon halo infinite and play uh, modern warfare two this fall? Yes. They're aware of that situation and I'm sure that is hurting them. I'm sure they're upset about it and I'm sure this is a lot of really important high level people left the company during core development years and a lot of reporting suggests that Chris Lee when he was still at 343 left some very ambitious plans and roadmap for Halo Infinite in, in the hands of the team right as he left the studio and a lot of this falls on higher ups at Xbox who are supposed to manage these fucking teams and make sure that things are on track and they have the appropriate executive producers in place to make sure this stuff is working and that these ideas are executable and all these things and so yeah if we want to point fingers but it's like we're trying to hold people accountable today for things that happened three years ago and we're taking it out on like the little guys we're taking it out on like the fucking QA testers and the map designers and the fucking multiplayer mechanic testers and whatever the fuck the job titles are right it's like these people who are in the trenches just trying to make content for this game and make it happen they know they know better than we know they're like, yeah, I sure wish Microsoft hired full-time employees instead of contract workers so we could actually get a serious fucking big core team on this project and put our heads down and work together as a team to get shit done. I wish that happened two years ago. That didn't happen. I wish this person and that person didn't leave and that someone had a better roadmap for our core development of the game and were able to keep different teams on schedule and cut off fat from the main core of the game because we were trying all this ambitious stuff that just couldn't have been done in the time frame that we had to get it done in. And I'm sure there are many, many, many developers who are like, yeah, I had this complaint three years ago. I had this complaint two years ago. I'm dealing with this shit today. But instead, it's just like, everyone's bitching, everyone's complaining, everyone's giving 343 shit. And so it's at the point where it's like, yes, you should always state your your opinion and your displeasement and everything with the situation because this is how 343 and Xbox hear what the fans want and know where they did what they did wrong and know what the fans like and know what the fans don't like and this is how we can you know this is how a community works and how we figure out how to make Halo the best it can be for everyone. But in this specific situation we're in, I don't think we're making Halo better. I think we're just beating on people who have no control over the situation. And it's just a shitty situation that the developers have to deal with and the players have to deal with. In fact, actually, the people who have the most autonomy here are the players. 
Because if Halo 3 really, or if Halo Infinite is really that fucked, if 343 really dropped the ball that hard, and they, and they did to a large extent, go play something else. I finished my battle pass for season one, and I went ahead and played Call of Duty. Because Call of Duty's fun, and I'm having a good time playing it, and there are a million fucking games in my backlog I could play instead. And I love Halo Infinite, and I want to keep playing it, but I'm, I'm so sick and tired of the same fucking three maps. So I said, you know what? This game will still be fun when I come back to it in Season 2. And I'll come back in a week or whatever when Season two's out. And I'll play the, the, the one fucking new uh, competitive map. And I'll enjoy it for a little bit. And then I'll get really, really sick of it. And then whatever. But I understand. as, as a per I'm not a reasonable human being. I, I, I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm probably ridiculous and irrational in my own way. But I'm trying to be reasonable and realistic here. And just say, I, I get that there's only so much they can do. And I, th I think... The consumer shouldn't have to be the one left in the position to make a decision, you know, for the company. You know, it's like, whatever, that's your job is to put out a good product. But keep in mind, Halo Infinite, we're complaining about the about the multiplayer more than anything, not the campaign. It's a free-to-play game. If this free-to-play game is not worth your time, let me tell you something. One, it's not costing you money. It's a free game. So go take that time and, and use it somewhere else. And two, if you do feel like you've invested a lot and been ripped off then I, I, I'm sorry, that's kind of on you because this is a fucking Game Pass title. If anything, if there's anyone who's spending money on this game, it's because you bought a $10 season pass. And I'm here to tell you whether you like it or not, $10 for all the content we got in season one, was it the best $10 ever spent? No, but it it was worth 10 bucks, you know, for that for that mediocre battle pass and the and the fun 30 to 50 hours we had grinded it out. Yeah, it was, it was a solid $10. You weren't ripped off. Now, it is possible you wasted a bunch of fucking money on those outrageous, outrageous bullshit skins that were in the shop for like $20, and that's on you. If you're stupid enough to buy that stuff and then feel ripped off, that's on you. And now, if you're if you're stupid enough to buy that stuff and then like it, good for you, man. I, I fucking eat Disney pizza for way more money than it's worth, so who am I to judge? But this is, I, I don't know, man. It's just, I understand the situation's fucked. And I think if there's any silver lining to this from this development, from this roadmap, it seems clear that 343 really understand the importance of Forge mode. And I would suggest that that is the most important thing for them to work on. If they, if they, if they have the choice between, you know, let, let's just, let's pretend this is how game development works. It, December 31st, 2022, the last day of the year, they have the option between now and then to either focus on getting a shit ton of new multiplayer maps out or completely reworking all the systems of multiplayer which means customization armor coatings unlock system progression spartan rank playable elites because for some fucking reason there's a contingency of halo fans that are so obsessed with playable elites and all that shit or option three getting forge out the door in a very fun playable finished mostly finished state if those are your three options i'm gonna push for forge because for, personally the progression shit as much as that is nice that's quality of life stuff most thing is the most important thing is that the game is fun to play so immediately that becomes the back the backseat thing and then becomes a, a thing of do we need maps and modes or do we need forge and i would say forge because forge is the endless content it is, just get forge out into the wild and then people can make their own fun just put forge out there i, I know for a fact once forge is out in the wild other people, other motherfuckers, I know there are people out here who are going to fucking make Margaritaville in Halo Infinite, and then I can go around and shoot my friends on Halo Infinite in a Margaritaville. And I'm going to go, I don't give a shit about the, the other contents coming, it'll get here when it gets here. I'm too busy running around a fucking Margaritaville like a school shooter. And that's going to be my thing, right? We're going to get the, the perfect recreation of fucking Disney World in Forge, but it's also infected mode. And for some reason, all the energy swords look like golf clubs. And I'm going to go, okay, 
I I can I understand three four three is working on the other stuff. I can wait on that. But right now I gotta I gotta beat this guy with a golf club in the middle of Disney World because that's a thing that people are making in Forge mode right now. That's the most important thing. And it sounds very clear that that is the thing they're pushing to get out the door the fastest because they're willing to say, yeah, season two is going to be stupid long, guys. Yeah, we don't have that many multiplayer maps coming out right now, guys. Yeah, the progression system and all that, we're working on it, but we don't have all the details right this second. But they're hoping to get Forge out by September. And I know it's a long ways away. I mean, it's a fucking season away. But it's it's not nothing. Honestly, I, I guess maybe I'm just, maybe my expectations were too low. I really thought we wouldn't get Forge until like November or next spring. So... To me, it seems like they understand the importance of Forge, and I think that will give so much content to the game if they just allow for there to be a big mode where people can create their own content, so that way, while we wait for 343 to make content, players can also make content, and then we get a whole wealth of shit. The things I find more inexcusable, personally, fall in the camp of, like, like the the online co-op shit and the and not being able to replay campaign missions. That stuff, I think, is, is very, very silly, but again, like, wh- what are you going to do at this point? Everyone involved in the situation knows how fucked it is. And maybe this destroys Halo Infinite's ability to be successful. Personally, I don't think it does. I think what we've seen too too many times before with these live service games is that they can be completely fucked for a long time and then find new life. Destiny, no one liked Destiny for a full year. Dude, think about it. Destiny came out in September of 2014. Don't ask why I remember that off the top of my head. And Destiny was mostly hated and misunderstood and just forgotten from that point until I think Taken King came out the next September or the next October. It was like for 12 or 13 months, Destiny 1 was just like, this game kind of fucking sucks. And then Taken King rolls around, everyone's like, no, 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 this game's pretty good now. I like this game. I arbitrarily changed my mind 100%. And now all of a sudden, you know, Destiny, Destiny's clearly had its ups and downs, but Destiny's good shit now. So I, I fully believe this doesn't have to be the end for three, for, for Halo Infinite. But, yeah, I mean, I know it doesn't bode well. I know it's disappointing. It's obviously disappointing. Trust me, I'm I'm sad that Season 2 is coming out, and I have another 100-tier Battle Pass that I, wa- that I want to grind out to its completion. But I only have one new map to help me get there. Because I'm not a big team battle guy. I'll play big team battle. I'll, I'll try to experience that new map. I will get some playtime on it. Don't get me wrong. But the bulk of my time is sent in Arena. You know, I, I want to play... Team Deathmatch, free-for-all. I mean, I want to play Slayer, free-for-all. I'm excited that we're getting King of the Hill. I miss King of the Hill, so I'll play that shit. But I, uh, Big Team Battle is not really my thing. So for for players like me, there's really only one map on the way. And I get it. You're, you're, you're welcome to be disappointed. I am as well. But unfortunately, the answer for this is it's something you may have heard from your parents when you were a kid. And it's, it is what it is. Go play something else if you don't like Halo, or if you uh, if you're tired of Halo. All right, speaking of Halo, we got some more Halo news, and this one I won't be as I won't be as passionate about because because hopefully I can I can get the podcast time. You got to pick up the pace, you know what I mean? All right, so VGC and Windows Central coming in here like champs, double fists in the news this week. We got a lot of updates on BR and a scrapped multiplayer mode. So Halo Infinite's long rumored battle royale mode could have a single player element and launch in November at the earliest. It's been claimed. Oh, so see, there's content on the way, you assholes. Speaking to the Xbox Two podcast, uh, Windows Central's Jez Corden, we cite often because Jez is the guy who gives us that sweet, sweet Xbox news. He's claimed that he's heard various details about the game's yet-to-be-announced BR mode, which we know is, or, or sources indicate it's being developed by certain 
Tiffany. Uh, Jez Corden says that the Battle Royale mode will incorporate some sort of mechanic from the Halo Infinite single-player campaign, such as side quests. Quote, how Halo had those side quests that were like, go here, clear this much mobs, and then go here and kill that high-value target, for example. He said, they're going to be in this mode as, as well as a sort of evolving object thing. I think you'll win by accruing points, occurring points, uh, and killing everyone else. Again, I don't know for sure. The journalist claimed that the BR could debut as part of its third season of content, which is scheduled sometime in November of this year, although Corden conceded that it could slip into next year. Quote, I think there's no hard deadline on it, so if it's ready, they're going to ship it until... If it's not ready, they're going to ship it until uh, season four, which is probably why they haven't fully announced it yet. Uh, the game mode, which is rumored to be in development by certain affinity, will also reportedly feature player versus player and environment and environment mechanics. Quote, what I've heard about this is that they're testing, that they've tested some sort of PvPVE kind of thing, that it's not traditional Battle Royale mode, and that's going to uh, complete, and that's going to be a, it's not going to be a complete copy clone of PUBG, for example. It's not going to be a one-to-one clone. I've heard that it's going to be, sorry, I've heard that it's going to be duos and trios. God damn it, I cannot read. If this were true as well, the claim about a high-value targets and FOBs is possible that players will have to contend and fight with the Banish as well as other Spartans. Corrin also explains the details of the game's map and the development process, saying it's a big map with shrinking circles like a battle royale game it forces you to move around the map there are different objectives and things like that and you'll be able to capture forward operating bases for example it has been in development for two years one of the elements in, in the design brief is that it talks about bringing in people who are not traditional halo fans okay so we'll talk about the other half of this story in a minute so let's stop here i hope that's what this is because basically what that means is this is just taking halo 5's war zone and kids look it up Warzone meant something else for Halo before Call of Duty existed. Warzone's not Battle Royale. It is a big is a big battle mode from Halo 5. But this is like taking Halo 5's Warzone mode and smashing it together with a Battle Royale. And if that's what this is, if that's what we're looking at, oh boy, I'm actually excited. Because this solves everything. First of all, this solves the Halo 5 fanboy in me who really misses all the Halo 5 modes and wants to see that shit available in Halo Infinite. So that's awesome. This also satisfies the I hate Battle Royales because it's a long game that you have to commit a lot of time to. And if you're not good enough, you just fucking get killed and that's game over and fuck you. Try again. It's one and done. And I hate that. And so the possibility that you can be a mediocre or newcomer and this game can be incredibly friendly because you can jump in, work on some objectives, fight some uh, fight some CPUs and shit like that, and take out some objectives and side quest stuff, and focus less on the battling of the Spartans because you know you got to focus on where your talents lie. That's very exciting. That's very tantalizing. I think that's a great way to engage newcomers into the series i think it also is a really interesting spin on the battle royale genre to get people to be like oh well what makes this so different from PUBG or fortnite or um or apex legends right and it's a completely different game mode that basically just happens to be a battle royale i love this it sounds very very exciting please let this be real um so Basically, we're looking at a season three or four launch if everything goes according to plan. But you see what I'm saying? Because it becomes this thing where today we bitch and moan about how season two is so bleak. Only two new maps and they have they haven't introduced this and this and this. And they haven't fixed this and that. And then in November or February or whatever it is when this new Battle Royale game uh, mode comes out, let's assume it's awesome. Let's assume it takes the world by storm. Let's assume it's the next Apex Legends, right? Let's just assume. 
instantly everyone forgets about May 2022 when season two came out and it sucked and everyone was complaining and 343 could do no right because that's how gaming works. Everyone's got a short attention span and you can only focus on the thing in front of your face in that very moment. It's why if you ask me to name three games in my backlog right now, I couldn't name two because I'm so fucking hyper-focused on trying to finally get through Far Cry 6, I don't even remember which Yakuza game I'm stuck on right now. And that's just how gaming works. That's how gamers work. That's how the short attention spans of people who exist in the internet age of, ooh, look at this, now it's over here. That's how this goes. So... This kind of plays into what I'm saying earlier, in that, you know, it, it, hey, there's no saying. This Battle Royale mode could come out, it could suck. Everyone would be like, wow, so you had these terrible first few seasons with very little content, and then you finally do this Battle Royale, which no one was asking for, and then it sucks, and they're like, wow, all this wasted development time that could have been put into adding more maps and more content in playable elites, because for some reason there's a contingency of Halo fans that really want playable elites, and instead we got this stupid Battle Royale. And I... It, it can go that way as well. Absolutely. Absolutely it can. But I'm just saying, because things look dark right this minute doesn't mean it's over. Halo is down, but not out. That's all I got to say about that. So I, I really hope that this uh, these murmurings that Jez Corden are hearing are exactly what we're getting because I understand we're not going to get Warzone. I get that. And I understand we're almost definitely getting Battle Royale. But if we can get Warzone Battle Royale, that's that's a, everyone wins, baby. Now we just need Firefight. Give me that give me that Battle Royale Firefight. <laughs> no, but seriously, I want Firefight. All right. Additionally, the last bit of info on Halo Infinite, and this one will be a little quicker. This is a, this is a weird one. So apparently Halo Infinite... <clears throat> At one point, but this ties in. One at one point in time, Halo Infinite's um, multiplayer was hero-based, much like Overwatch, according to a journalist. In response to a tweet from podcaster Chris Reagan, that's the second time we've re- referenced someone from Sacred Symbols today. In a in a tweet response to Chris Reagan on Twitter, it's a website. Elon Musk bought it. You can check it out. Uh, implying that 343 Industries had spent a lot of their budget on Halo Infinite on a Overwatch clone, Bloomberg's Jason Schreier commented that while 343 did spend some time on a hero-based mode, it wasn't quite as Chris Reagan had suggested. Quote, this was actually cut from an article late last year. Yes, 343 spent a while prototyping a hero-based system, Schreier claimed. I don't remember exactly when they switched to the current version, and the tweet linked here seems to exaggerate that point, which is mostly false, but I can confirm that they were working on various various hero-based prototypes. In fact, I think that they were both PvP and PvE prototype builds. So, I don't know. Uh, for, well, first of all, Schreier throwing a little bit of shade at Chris Raygun. To be expected, Schreier generally a pretty decent, uh, pretty good journalist when he wants to be, pretty often just trying to push some weird slant that no one asked for, and always just being a total asshole to people in the industry for no reason. But credit where credit's due. Very good reporter. Was the only reason worth reading Kotaku for the longest time. Uh, out here throwing some shade at Chris Reagan a little bit. But also keep in mind, the the hosts of uh, Chris's podcast, uh, Sacred Symbols, usually have beef with Jason Schreier. So there you go. Hey, the nice thing about having a podcast no one in the world knows about, you got beef with no one. So guess what? Jason Schreier, Chris Raygun, Jez Corden, and Saddam Musadini, the guy who maybe owns a pizza restaurant. I don't know. You're all my friends. I love you all. Come down here, and uh, we'll do a big, um, we'll do a big Sicilian no, no olives on me. All right. So apparently, I I, I don't recall this from Jason Schreier's. Uh, original article from back in the day where he was talking about all the woes at 343 and so I I read the Reddit thread where Jason Schreier was speaking about this tweet 
where all this news stems from. And yeah, so apparently at one point, uh, it looks like 343 had been at least to some extent working on Halo, Halo Infinite's multiplayer from the perspective of like a hero shoot, shooter kind of mode. And listen, first of all, as someone who doesn't like hero shooters, as someone who doesn't generally gravitate towards the style of gameplay and who recognizes that this makes no sense in the Halo landscape and that this just isn't Halo and that's that would have been such a bad thing to do considering how much shit they got during Halos 4 and 5 for deviating from the Halo core formula. I'm glad that this isn't how things went. I'm glad we got the Halo Infinite we got. But again, this plays into what I'm saying where it's like, guys, the Halo Infinite we have today is a Halo Infinite that was developed over a relatively short time. They spent a lot of time working on the slip space engine. They spent a lot of time working on various concepts for the game. They've spent a lot of time trying to do this very big style open world game that they eventually had to scale down. They probably experimented with other things like a hero shooter mode and a battle royale that apparently there was a time where 343 had made a battle royale for Halo that was eventually canned. That was a rumor like three or four years ago or like that was like 2018 or something, right? And so keep in mind that the time between Halo 5 and Halo Infinite was not what we got. The campaign and the multiplayer that launched last at the end of 2021, November, December 2021. That was not all that 343 had done between Halos 5 and Infinite. That is what we got between all that. And I think this story serves as, one, a big sigh of relief that we didn't get Halo Overwatch, and two, and more importantly, a big reminder that 343 had been run poorly and had been in kind of disarray during this entire time to a large extent because, I don't know, mismanagement from higher up at Xbox, uh, big leadership leaving, uh, COVID gunking things up with everyone having to shift to work from home, uh, aspirations for the game being too big and then them having to reshift focus, any combination of these things and then some, I don't know. I don't work there. I don't, I'm not an insider. I'm not a cool guy. But what I can tell you is clearly this game has gone through so much development hell. Clearly, there are so many things that were tested, creatively spun up, and then abandoned at some point in the project that it is clear that the Halo Infinite we have today that is sorely lacking in content is a product that was made in two, three years or so. It's not It's not what we waited what is it six years god 20 yeah 2015 and 2021 yeah six years so just some context okay there are a lot of really good people at 343 who genuinely want halo infinite to be the best game it can be they don't have control over everything all the time but they know what the game's shortcomings are they know what the potential of the game is and they know what they hope to do with it and you just gotta believe that they're working with what they got it sucks. It sucks for everyone. It sucks for them. It sucks for us. But also, guys, if you're if you're really that fed up with 343, might I recommend Crossfire X to you guys? It's re- very good. Or Sonic Unleashed, of course. All right, let's wrap up the news this week, guys. We got we got a quick one that I don't I don't know what to make. I don't really know how to make what to make of this. And then we got our MPD numbers. So first one here: VGC reports that 2K is reportedly working on a futuristic rival to Epic Games' popular vehicle sport game Rocket League, according to. Exputer, the unannounced project is currently titled Gravity Goal. Players reportedly control Tron-like bikes like this, uh, rather than cars, which they use to hit a ball into their opponent's goal at a high-energy 1v1, 2v2, or 3v3 match. Gravity Goals lets lets users throw objects at opposing players to cause vehicles damage, which slows and halts movement. And it was in a closed alpha testing state last late last year and may be replaced 
or maybe release as a free-to-play game, according to the report. VGC also reported in February that 2K has reached an agreement with, to develop a new line of LEGO sport games. The publisher has signed a multi-game partnership with LEGO. People with knowledge on the plans uh, have told VGC that it reports the toy firm is looking to broaden its gaming output beyond the experiences of its exclusive Warner Bros. TT games, Star Wars, Batman, that kind of LEGO game that we're used to playing. I for, Okay, first of all, one, I hope this isn't tied to LEGO, because two, I want to play fucking Tron Rocket League so bad. Because if Gravity Goal ends up being like that, oh boy, I'm down for this. Rocket League's a good game. Rocket League is one of those games that's like, I recognize it is a very, very fun game. And I have tried to play it many times before. And it's like, I can never do more than like 30, 45 minutes of it before I'm like, damn, that's a good game. I just can't get hooked on it for whatever reason. But I recognize it's good. It's, it's, it is good fun. Yeah, this is more of that trend, set, trend chasing shit we've been seeing, right? It's like, a lot of these publishers are seeing Fortnite, Rocket League, stuff like this. And like, wow, the, the popularity is not waning. The audience is not going away. We need to get in on this. And I think with games like this, it's a lot smarter because you can make a response to a game like Rocket League a lot faster than you can make a response to a game like Fortnite. Um, it's a lot less expensive and it's a lot less time consuming. Although that's not to insinuate that it's easy and anyone can do it. But ultimately, I, I, this is what I hate about the age of multiplayer games that act as a service is that you just get these people who are like, okay, this is the popular trend. How can we make our version of this trend? We just talked about Halo doing Battle Royale. Now we're talking about... 2k making a rocket league competitor and it's like i have no doubt that these games may be fun but we also see companies like ubisoft which we were just talking about where they're trying their hand at these things and they're failing at it and they're losing their identity and they don't know what to do and it's hurting the company this stuff isn't always worth it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and you had like ea did that what was that dodgeball one they did i, for, I forget what the name of it was it was like a dodgeball type games as a service it's like half splatoon half rocket league half Fortnite, whatever it was called. It's like, I want to say Dodge City, but that's 100% not what it is. Dodge City is what they call the alien or the uh, zombie outbreak city at Six Flags over Georgia when it's uh, Halloween time and they have that fucking zombie haunted house. Uh, I don't know what it's called, <laughs> but it's um, not. Oh, it's Knockout City, isn't it? Knockout City. That's right. Anyway, that, that game was really fun. I played it a little bit. It was a good time. It came out. It was really popular for a little bit. And then it just just kind of waned and and ea was like they told the developer like you guys can have it we're done this thing isn't really making us money it's losing its player base bye and games like rocket league continue just soar and soar and soar so there's no it's a tricky business and i feel like too many of these publishers are chasing that potential you know it's like what you are 2k you own nba 2k you own rockstar who do grand theft auto you got you have these teams you know what you guys do you know what you do well why are we trying to like what are we doing here just play into your hand play into what you do and everyone's just chasing the gold they see fortnite they see rocket league they see gta online They're like let's do our thing Ooh, destiny i can't believe destiny's still doing its thing let's try to do that and it's like ugh, focus on doing your own thing and doing it well but then they see apex legends it's like can you believe that respawn of all teams managed to pull it off after titanfall one and two both underperformed and underwhelmed audiences can you believe and it's like oh my god and, and, and that's the problem is you have things like apex legends that do pull it off and that's not to disparage i, I like apex legends i think it's a good game i love respawn i want to see them succeed but it, it, something like that reinforces to teams like 2K or Ubisoft, like, yeah, we should do this. We we should, bruh, we should do this, man, bruh. Let's do our this gravity goal, man, bruh. And of course, people like me, I'm like Tron bikes. Okay, I'll I love, I love Tron. I'll play a Tron game. 
But in all seriousness, I hate this. It just takes development money, development time, and development focus and creative energy away from unique, creative, new products and just focuses it on trend chasing. I hate it. I hate it so much. But if we're lucky, it'll just be a little fucking Lego racing copycat and it'll come and go and then we'll move on with our lives. But maybe it'll be the next big thing. Gee whiz. All right. And finally, our wrap up story of the week. NPD. So we've touched on NPD because we know about Xbox and being a nutbuster seller for March of 2022. But now we have but now we have the list of the 20 best selling games in the US for the month of March 2022. So at the number one spot, can you guess it? Yeah, it's Elden Ring. Number two spot was Gran Turismo 7, which is quite impressive considering it's only on one platform. Kirby and the Forgotten Land got the number three spot. It's no surprise. It's a Nintendo game. Number four got MLB The Show 2022, which is important to note on that one, of course, that it only counts uh, or does not include digital sales um, for like Nintendo and platforms and things like that. So some of those, it may be the number three spot if you consider things like deluxe editions and digital sales and stuff like that. Number five spot was Horizon Forbidden West. Number six was Pokemon uh, Legends Arceus. Number seven was WWE 2K22, and number eight was Mario Kart 8, which is just fucking weird. That game, <laughs> and that doesn't include digital sales. Oh my god, Mario Kart 8, why won't you stop? Uh, number nine was Call of Duty Vanguard. This is huge, first of all. I just want to stop for a second, because Call of Duty's always in the top three, or top five, top three, top five, and the newest Call of Duty is at number nine. Now, don't get me wrong, that's really, it's selling really well by video game standards, by Call of Duty standards, that's shit. For reference, this time last year, you had Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War in the top 10. And I know it's been a really competitive February, March so far this year, but that's bad. And then number 10, you had Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, uh, which is really good for that game because it seems like everyone hated it. Uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands in uh, number 11, which is good. It's that uh, Borderlands spinoff that seemed to have come and gone. Ghostwire Tokyo at the number 12 spot. That's not good, but that game seemed to have completely tanked. So considering... It got number 12. That's considering it even charted. I think that's not as bad as I as it seemed like anecdotally it was doing, but that game is also on PC, so that's really not that impressive. Uh, FIFA 22 at number 13, uh, Minecraft at number 14, Madden NFL 22 at 15, Triangle Strategy at 16. Didn't even know that game was out yet. Uh, Mario Party Superstars at 17, Smash Brothers Ultimate at 18 because Nintendo can't stop selling the same fucking five games forever and ever and ever. Animal Crossing New Horizon number 19 and number 20, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Guys, I want to point out that there are zero Xbox exclusives on that list unless you count Minecraft, which I don't because it's multi-platform. It's just owned by Xbox and Minecraft is forever on that list. But yeah, the only other things that are Xbox related are third-party games, Elden Ring, and then it, and then it blanks out until you get to the number seven spot with WWE or I guess MLB and then WWE, Call of Duty Vanguard. So not lack of third-party content on Xbox, it looks like. Now, here are the top 10 best-selling games for in the U.S. of for the whole year so far. So this is from January 1st to now. These are the top 10 best-selling games of the year. Number one best-selling game of the year, guys, Elden Ring. Be now Call of Duty, that's huge. Pokemon Legends Arceus at number two. Horizon Forbidden West at number three. Gran Turismo 7 at number four. Call of Duty Vanguard at number five. Madden NFL 22 at number six. Kirby and the Forgotten Land at number seven. Mario Kart 8 at number eight. Dying Light 2, Stay Human at number nine. And FIFA 22 at number 10. Keep in mind, of the top 10 best-selling games of the year, PlayStation has two of them in the recently released games nintendo has one nintendo has three of them one of which didn't even release in the past one of them is like a seven-year-old game which is insane and xbox has none 
obviously the best-selling game so far of the year is on Xbox, but it's a third party. So that's interesting. Xbox are doing really well. Best-selling console for the month of March and February. Software revenue is up year over year, but they don't they don't have anything on that list. And obviously nothing big's come out from X, Xbox really since December, but like you notice it, right? All right, guys, that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Now let's wrap up with the important enough news. These are stories important enough to warrant the, uh, not important enough to warrant their own discussion, but important enough to make the podcast, of which we have a few. Gearbox uh, has announced it's working on a new Tales from the Borderlands game, VGC reports. Released in 2014, developed by Telltale Games, the original Tales from the Borderlands uh, is a five-part episodic game set in the Pandora between uh, the events of Borderlands 2 and 3. Gearbox is developing an all-new Borderlands adventure, which will be published by 2K later this year. The studio said more details will be announced at this summer, probably during the Summer Game Awards or whatever. Summer Games Fest, is that what they call it? Anyway, interesting because Telltale made the first one. Obviously, the original Telltale is no longer around. It's a new Telltale that exists today. The fact that they're bringing this in-house is interesting. This is outside the wheelhouse of what of what uh, Gearbox has traditionally done. So that'll be really interesting to see how they pull this off, considering this is not their kind of game. Also, a little concerning that Gearbox just keeps working on Borderlands. It seems like they're kind of they're kind of stuck. You know, they had to do that Tiny Tina's Wonderland spinoff. Now they're working on this. And obviously this seems like a smaller project, not their main focus. But yeah, Gearbox seems like they just they don't really have a thing to do other than Borderlands, so it's kind of concerning. VGC also relays that Skate 4 pre-alpha footage has been leaked. According to the reliable industry insider Tom Henderson, EA is holding a Skate 4 playtest, and the map shown in the video that was leaked is currently called Fun City. Apparently, in addition to the leaked footage, uh, Jeff Grubb also shared that Skate 4 will reportedly include an online free skate mode, which lets users create and build their own skate parks together. VGC also relays that digital versions of standalone games in the Sonic Origins will be removed from sale ahead of the game's or the collection's release. So, Sega said on Tuesday that it plans to delist Sonic the Hedgehog 1, 2, 3, Sonic and & Knuckles, and Sonic CD on May 20th. Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2 will remain available via Sega Ages for Nintendo Switch, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 will still be playable via Sonic Genesis Mega Drive for Nintendo Switch Online. However, if you wish to just go buy the digital version on your Xbox, that will be removed come May 20th because the Sonic Origins, which includes all those games, will be replacing it. Now, Sonic Origins is supposed to be the definitive way to play these games, but the, the idea of removing one version for another doesn't really sit well with a lot of people, although technically you're not losing the game, it's just a different way to buy it, but worth noting. VGC also relays that Forever Entertainment is looking to release House of the Dead remake, or a House of the Dead remake this month. This news is slightly dated because I think it's already been released, but according to the Polish news agency Pat uh, Business, B-I-Z-N-E-S, whatever, the House of the Dead remake will hit Xbox One PC via Steam on April 28th, which is the day this is going live, and the game will be out for 25 bucks. and I think that's already been confirmed, and it's on the Xbox drop, which we get to in a minute. Next, VGC relays that Activision have confirmed plans to introduce Godzilla and King Kong to the next uh, next month to Warzone because World War II accuracy. They'll be added to the game on May 11th as part of the Operations Monarch, whatever that is. I don't play Warzone, so you guys will have to tell me if you care enough. And then next up, speaking of Jesse shit, VGC relays that Disney and developer Gameloft have announced Disney Dreamlight Valley, a new free-to-play life simulation adventure game, and I cannot wait. My whole life is dependent on this game's existence. And second Gameloft Disney game to be announced recently, by the way. They also have that racing game on the way. According to the official website, Disney Dreamlight Valley challenges players to restore the once idyllic village ruined by a mysterious event called the Forgetting. The game is setting to is set to release in 2023 for Series X, S, 1, and PC. The Game Pass, mem- game Pass members, however, and people who purchase the Founders Pack will be able to join in early access this summer, which will be available on all platforms. 
And finally, VGC relays that plans for an It Takes Two movie uh, produced and possibly starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson have been revealed. And I think we already knew about the movie, but this is new development. Game developer Hazelight announced in January that the team was working with DJ2 Entertainment, the production company behind the Sonic movies, to adapt It Takes Two for a TV or in film. And on Wednesday, Variety reported that... that <laughs> Seven Buck Productions, who worked on Jungle Cruise and Jumanji, I guess that's just fucking J- Dwayne Johnson, the studio, has joined the project along with Amazon Studios. Johnson, Danny Garcia, and Hiram Garcia will produce the film on behalf of Seven Bucks, and it's claimed that The Rock could even star in the movie. God, I hope not. Uh, that's going to do it for all the slow news, the small news, guys. It's going a little a bit long in the podcast, so let's run through the new releases of the week. Here are there are eleven new games to make note of, but Xbox Wire lists them all out for us. So let's just run through them. We got Research and Destroy, which is just a, a key art, so I don't know what the fuck that is. Then we got the so- the Sorrow Virus, a faceless short story, which looks kind of menacing and cool. Maybe that's a I don't know. Looks interesting. I want to see what that's about. Bug Snacks is finally out, April twenty eighth. Game Pass, PC, all that good shit. Gotta play Bug Snacks. Always want to try it. House of the Dead remake. We just talked about it. It's real. It's here. I kind of want to buy that, but I know House of the Dead's gonna suck with the controller, so I don't really know about that. Raven's Hike is available April 28th. Looks like an iPhone. Uh, Rico London April 28th. I don't know what this is. It's optimized for new consoles and it looks fucking crazy. It looks like Borderlands GI Joe combat shit. First person shooter. Gangsters want to play it rogue legacy 2 april 28th sequel to a really popular game optimized for series x and s smart delivery all that shit unsold april 28th looks like a 2d dark souls maybe it just looks like a womb opening up uh galactic wars ex it's a shooting game for uh space shooters it's april 29th and miro pico racers it looks like an nes game that's coming out finally it was delayed from 1986 all the way to 2022 but it's finally here boys and girls ravenous devils april 29th i don't know what that means but it's 2d so i won't play it and that's gonna do it for all of our games this week won't you know and then any day now probably in a day or two you're gonna see the games of gold may line up but we don't have it just yet so as a reminder here your final days of april's games of gold you got another site available for the rest of the month hue is available until may 15th and mx versus atv alive is available until the end of the month so Download them if you haven't, but uh, like I said, you'll see the May announcement probably right around the time this podcast goes live, so fuck us all, right? But guys, that's that's it for this very long episode of Xbox On. I appreciate, as always, you listening, your support, new commenters, old commenters, in-between commenters alike. Thank you all for being here. I hope you had a good time. I uh, appreciate any and all feedback. Five-star ratings on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast on any platform, including YouTube. Uh, follow me on Twitch at Lightning Extreme. Follow me on Twitter and shit-talk me at Jesse DeRosa. Be my friend. Be friends with one another. Be kind to everyone. Give those 343 developers a fucking break. They're kind of fucked right now. So, God God damn it. They know you want to play as an elite for some fucking reason. They're aware. You know, let, let them do their thing. And until next week, guys, uh, don't don't be a jerk. Just follow your, follow your dreams. Trusting every lie brings a
nothing 